Welcome to The Basin Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And today we are going to continue where we left off last week, but this time we are exercising discipline so we do <laughs> not get on such crazy digressions. We are still allowed regular digressions, but no longer can we have digressions off digressions. Fingers okay. crossed. No, it, it, it's five o'clock on a Friday and it it's, it's thunderstorming out, so it's just a recipe for a rotten brain. But, <laughs> but one way to warm up the rotten brain is by reading the sequences excellent. on lesswrong.com. Then let us jump right into that. The first one being explanations, explainers, sorry, explainers shoot high, aim low. Yeah, this one was like, okay. I feel like maybe we should just read it. <laughs> I also summarized it last week. Cause, or last episode, because oh. we were talking about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on Sam Harris's podcast, and Harris said, I think your book would be perfect for like a young young adult yeah. who comes to science. And he's like, I, that's fun to hear, because I wrote it for adults, <laughs> because adults told me that like they 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 don't feel like it's they feel like it's written for kids if they understand everything in it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if I'm not confused, then <laughs> yeah, if I'm not confused. This must be too easy. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, I mean, the, the short version is basically like you're explaining something to somebody or you're rather you're drafting an explanation they're going to give to somebody. And you're like, all right, an elementary explanation of this will will hit the layperson just fine. And it goes, it, it's too dense and confusing or over their head or you didn't cross enough inferential distance. And so, like, if, if you're aiming for high schoolers, you're you're not going to hit high schoolers. Aim for, like, fifth graders, and you'll hit high school. Yes. Yeah. Or the, even worse. Uh, what were you going to say, Inyash? Oh, well, the um, anecdote. That's what I was looking for. The anecdote that he uh, leads off with is that he was talking to a scientist who wrote an explanation in his field aimed at, like, a very low technical level. Like, he thought it was... He was writing basically for reporters, uh, maybe some scientists that have no knowledge in this field. And uh, it ended up being his most popular paper within his field, cited more than anything else he'd ever been, he'd ever written. And uh, Eliezer said he had the same thing happen when he wrote an intuitive explanation of Bayesian reasoning. He was aiming for basically elementary school, which he admits now was kind of kind of dumb because he was using words that elementary school students probably he don't had assumed know. the reader knew, knew what a probability was exactly yeah <laughs> so he's like, he's like okay maybe maybe that was dumb of me to assume this is aimed at elementary school but point is he was trying to write to an elementary school level and it ended up being really popular among undergrads and other people who are you know significantly older than elementary school well it specifically he says uh, let me find it I regularly get fan mail from formerly confused undergrads taking statistics classes and journalists and professors from outside fields. Yeah. <laughs> so like not el- not elementary schoolers. Yeah, but I mean actually like undergrads taking statistics classes, so like not even, you know, like people who are actively trying to study this like, oh, this is a great explanation. Yeah. Which uh I felt that way about the next one uh we don't have to jump to it yet, but Double illusion of transparency. Yeah. He did say that um, he wants to note that this is not because your audience is more stupid than you think. It's because your words are far less helpful than you think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That And it, this all ties back to the previous uh, sequences that we talked about where the... Yeah, inferential the distance thing. Inferential distance, illusion of transparency, self-anchoring bias. All these things where you, you already know what you know and you assume much more. If I was explaining this to me, I'd understand it. That's <laughs> exactly. basically how it's going, right? Yeah. 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 Actually, it was, um, no one knows what science doesn't know. It starts off with like, I tried to do this real simple explanation and it turns out that he didn't get it. Well, should but we move on to the next one then? I just was going to say, I thought that it was a great explanation. Oh. Okay. But uh, uh, anyway, though, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, was there more to say? Explainers, that kind of summary. Yeah, it's a, it's a brief one. The follow-up that I like is the double illusion of transparency, which my my one-sentence summary is where Inyash says something to me, 
I think I understood him, and he thinks I understood him, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, well, well, no. I'm sorry. The, the 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 I guess the last part of that is turns out we're both wrong. I think we, we, we both <laughs> misunderstood each other. We were just speaking before the microphone started rolling about how you nodded at a lot of things that Brian said, <laughs> and Brian thought that meant you understood, but oftentimes nodding and understanding are not correlated. They with me, it's they're like often anti-correlated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, in yeah. this uh, in this sequence, he says, "I thought that if I said, hey, guess what I noticed today? Bayes' theorem is the secret of the universe,' and someone else said." Yeah, Bayes' theorem is the secret of the universe. Then this is what a successful teacher-student interaction looked like. <laughs> Knowledge conveyed and verified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he did say that, like, it started out with ten- them talking about Bayes in a in a IRC, and the guy didn't get- quite get it, so he took it to a private chat room, explained the immediate prerequisites. Guy didn't get that. Explained <laughs> the prerequisites of that. Guy didn't get that. So we went all the way back to the foundations of Bayes' theorem and turned out that uh, the guy had issues updating probability that a fruit is a banana based on observing that it's yellow. And He keeps mixing up the probability of banana given yellow and the probability of yellow given banana, which I thought was hilarious. Because, hmm, are all yellow things bananas? Well, I have one example. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And that was... That this one sort of comes out in is this the one that comes out in um yes I think it is this is the one that comes out in favor of of university schooling because yeah I was surprised by that yeah because but, uh, it says that professors have the advantage of being able to directly query their audience right there in the room and you know get feedback from them as they're talking pull out this it says this may sound odd but until that very day I hadn't realized why there were such things as universities <laughs> I thought it was just right. rent seekers who'd gotten a lock on the credentialing system which like yeah mostly but, yeah um I've got this like awesomely romanticized view of edge of university I I think of there were the academies mm. that like Aristotle puts here mm. you know so like that's just I I feel like this oh we're, this is this is scholarship this is uh, pursuit of reason and knowledge. I feel that way when I'm on a campus, even though I know it's just like we're <laughs> here to collect your money and make you watch football <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, like, yeah, I found it. Um, I hadn't realized why there were such things as university. I thought it was just rent seekers. Why would you need teachers to learn? That was what books were for. But now a great and terrible light was dawning upon me. <laughs> Genuinely explaining complicated things took months or years, and an entire university infrastructure with painstakingly crafted textbooks and professional instructors. You couldn't just tell people. And. I... Like, didn't we, I think it was just two episodes ago that I came out saying that if someone was really dedicated and wanted to learn something, that they could figure it out. They could learn most things in a matter of months or a couple of years at most. It sounds like Eliezer disagrees with me here. Yeah, I think that doesn't describe most people though. Like, in order to understand a really complicated subject, quantum mechanics or whatever, um, I think that you do, if you're, if you're like a self-learner, autodidact, uh... Like, the thing that you have to do is honestly watch a bunch of YouTube videos of different people explaining things different ways or read a bunch of different books. And, like, you start to be able to build a complex model by examining it from different sides so you know what shape it is. It's a weird metaphor, uh, but, you know. No, that was a good metaphor. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. Okay. I, I am the kind of person I learn at least 10 times faster if I'm sitting talking with somebody for 30 minutes mm-hmm. than if I'm off watching videos. Mm-hmm. Because I can ask a question, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that clears it up. I don't have to watch this 90-minute YouTube video to find the answer, or only to find that the answer wasn't in it. Yeah, I think, like, that's I... what I was trying to get at, where it's like, you totally can learn quantum mechanics on your own. It's just going to be a lot harder, because yeah. you're the one that has to find and curate the information, and you don't know what you don't know. And you can't question the guy on YouTube. Maybe could, but it would be harder. <laughs> uh, or And you can't question the textbook. 
I guess he's saying genuinely explaining complicated things took months or years, and he bolds explaining to put the emphasis mm. on it. I think that's probably more more true because when I was when I made my statement a few weeks ago, I was thinking that genu- genuinely learning something doesn't take very long, and I think there's a distinct difference between trying to explain something and trying to learn something. When you're trying to explain something, the other person is usually far less engaged and isn't doing a lot of their own work. If you're really trying to learn something and you're mm-hmm. putting in, you know, hours every day for weeks at a time, it, it you you cover a lot of ground fast. And if you have like a fucking teacher to help you out and ask questions, coach you, good lord. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be my ideal learning environment. Well, that's kind of what I try to do at work. When I can grab somebody knows what they're talking about, I try to leash them down for 20 minutes and explain yeah. something to me. Explain this like I'm five, please. I, I, I literally wrote that sentence today <laughs> or this week. Um, I was, I was, it, for someone who's obsessively paid as a web developer, I don't know how the internet works well enough to fix <laughs> internet related problems. So like where we have a lot of issues with domain names, not pointing where they're supposed to with certs, not validating properly and SNI and SSL and lots of other TLAs, three-letter acronyms. Lots of acronyms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I I put in this chat and I was like, all right, look, I'm trying to solve this problem. If if one of you two experts can jump in and just explain, and I said, you know, ELI5 E-L-I you know, <laughs> for 20 minutes with me, I'll, I'll get a good start on this. And that's really like, that, I think that's the main thing that I get out of like an educational system that I don't get out of just having all the resources in the world. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what part of my problem to start Googling first. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know yet. And right, then like, yeah. you have to r- dig through all this stuff to get the prerequisites that you need. And there's a lot of this stuff that's superfluous to what you actually need to solve. But like, you, I, you can't pick and choose what you like read in a textbook because if you don't know, if you don't yeah. know what you don't know, then... <laughs> in an idealized educational <laughs> environment, somebody would give me like a stack of abridged textbooks and say, read them in this order, uh-huh. right? And you're like, yeah, you can skip this part, read the highlighted sections. And then that, that would be it, right? And then maybe they're there to consult. And that's kind of what college is. Oh, I want to... If you squint. I, I think that's... Yeah. I, I think that's the difference between... Like, because Eliezer is... His goal, which he is telling us in these posts, literally, is to explain what AI is to people and why it's dangerous. Which is a very different thing than, like, if I wanted to learn how to start programming in AI. Like, I mean, obviously, I couldn't learn that since no one knows how to yet. But... Uh, explaining to a general audience this is what it is and this is why you got to worry about it is a just completely different task than trying to learn something because you're interested in it and you want to do it if you're yeah also something that somebody in order to get a passing grade that person might not like actually care about the thing that too, so yeah. you do have to also engage them <laughs> like there's there's small mm-hmm. um real quick i want to actually like suggest a thing uh that reminded me of Derek Sivers who I love uh he's like entrepreneur who writes cool books and stuff he has a thing called the do this directives uh I just post a link I guess because the the URL's bizarre siv we'll just post siv dot rs forward slash d1 what is dot rs does he have like a russian I don't know url anyway um we'll post a link but the whole thing was he's trying to figure out how to uh compress information or as like an experiment. This is just a free thing that you can read, and I highly recommend this and all of Derek's stuff. But it has things like how to be useful to others, how to get rich, how to thrive in an unknowable future, and like each of them just have a very like he's tried to cram all the stuff he knows into the smallest amount of time. And interesting. That's that sounds really, maybe we could do a show about this. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but 
But sorry, that just yeah. reminded me of that. And this is where we get the secret reveal that all along the reason he's been writing these sequences <laughs> is to teach people about AI, and he has had to go way, 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 way back to the beginning because apparently just going to the beginning isn't enough. You got to go back <laughs> to the beginning of the beginning. And uh, when I read this, I laughed because I was like, "You gotta, you can't just tell people about AI. You gotta trick them into thinking they're learning rationality and then <laughs> yes. slip it in there. In fact, you can't even do that. First, you gotta." trick him into thinking they're reading a harry potter fanfic <laughs> i was like wow actually like took his own advice i don't even know if that was like sort of his intention uh for writing methods of rationality if he'd like it sort of internalized was. this it was well, yeah okay. allegedly he, he said it allegedly on on our last episode he had said that it was uh he just wanted to write a harry potter fan fiction and i'm like i don't just i don't just i just don't believe you i mean I remember... i'm sure he also wanted to write a harry potter fan fiction which is why he chose harry potter but, but he used the word just i think uh, and i'm like i, I don't think that was just, just it <laughs> you, but um but maybe you know i remember him saying that he was trying to write i think i think he was trying to write the sequences or the book that was supposed to be yes yeah that was it he was originally trying to write a book about rationality and and that's where the sequence realized that yeah like he could post in this sort of like serial way and get like and keep his momentum up but like when he was trying to sit there and just put it all down into a book the motivation was hard and that was even easier when he was like what if i could just make this a harry potter fanfic like that was sort of just a getting unstuck from writer's block experiment which worked out really well and i mean so much of it has to do with feedback because when you're writing a yeah. book of any kind you get no feedback yeah, before sitting in a room for hours by yourself like man i hope hours, people like this every day for at least six months <laughs> usually nine or more and yeah you you hear nothing whereas if you're posting online every one to two days you get feedback in the comment section every single day. It's interesting feedback from intelligent people that have cool things to say. It's it's very socially rewarding. It's why a lot, almost, so every author I've ever met and pretty much anyone who's been born uh, in, in my generation or later has uh, written fanfic and posted online and most of them say it is far more fulfilling than actually writing novels. Totally makes sense to me. Because we all have these souls that are just screaming for affirmation please somebody <laughs> like what i'm doing and you get that so much online especially when you're writing marvel fanfic or harry potter fanfic or something people want to read anyway i think that you know there's probably the selfish motivation but also we're just we're social animals and it's hard mm. to get the motivation to keep doing a thing yourself there's also the com commitment and consistency yeah. of like that i said i would do this pressure. five times a week yeah you're peer pressuring you're, you're committing to being peer pressured right and i think that's a great motivator the only the only fan fiction I can think of that I've read of yours is the Cain and Abel story. Okay. Yeah. I it, mean, so is that a fan fiction? I, I mean, that's that, that, Bible. If I, if, Bible. If, yeah. if I if I squinted, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, Amazing Man is um yeah Chuck Tingle fan. Amazing Man too oh, is Chuck right. Tingle fan fiction. A uh, host is basically Evangelion fan fiction. Oh, I didn't read that. I mean, because you hide your <laughs> you hide the details oh, and you're right. like, see, no, this is an original world. But no, Unless you call it Harry fiction. Potter and the Methods of Rationality, right? right? Yeah. yeah. If well, he had just made up, could you imagine like the, 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 he just makes up like, he changes the names of everybody, which is the exact same story, except. That's uh, apparently it, how uh, Fifty Shades of Grey came to be. Yeah, yeah. It was a Twilight fanfic. Called Masters of the Universe. <laughs> yeah. And she just changed the names of all the characters and changed some details. And was and published it as its own original book, and then and then chopped out the vampire business, and then yeah. boom, yeah. yeah. Huh. But I think that the fanfic had. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read. I haven't read the fanfic, the original fanfic. I have, and I tried to read Fifty Shades of Grey, and I couldn't do it. It was so bad. The Every, original fanfic is just as bad. It but, was. I was listening to the audiobook when I was. But it's got uh, Edward and Bella, so you know, heart eyes. I guess. <laughs> I'm more of a Jacob, Team Jacob. 
No, no, I'm not. Uh, I didn't like either of them. They're both. They she shouldn't date either of them. <laughs> Pretty much everything. They're both like crazy controlling weirdos. You know what? We have now gotten onto a digression. Oh, of a shit. digression. So hey, we caught it though. All right, yes, we yes. did. Let's pull out. Back to quick emergency wow. evacuation. Um. So um. We- <laughs> double illusion of transparency. Yes. Moving on. Uh. What else was? Oh no, that was that, that was basically it for the double illusion, right? Unless anyone else uh, has something. I had and have much left to learn about explaining, but that's how it all began. <laughs> I like it. He's a fun writer. Like you know, we mentioned uh, that every yeah. fifth episode or something. But I also just dig his writing style. Like content, the content's great too. But yeah, there, there's some writing that engages me really He's well. Probably doing important Mary stuff and shouldn't write another like methods of rationality length fiction but if he wanted to i would you know occasionally he'll, he'll still write small things on tumblr and i love his writing people need personal lives too yeah you, you can do the writing you know in the time that you're not doing. i just i don't want to take him away from important ai research for my own like yeah but if you stick him on important ai research for all his waking hours he's going yeah. to burn out and die yeah couple couple weeks ago on the hpmr subreddit someone cross-posted to some other subreddit and it was a fun rationalist short story and someone's like that's great but what was this they're like check the top comment of the thread <laughs> or it was a link to a tweet yudkowski wrote that under a pseudonym to see if he was identifiable by his, <laughs> his writing, writing style. style and he wasn't and he wasn't i didn't i didn't catch the Weird. result of that well that's so people are thinking that he because he's writing something under a pseudonym now right uh, isn't there a plausible candidate for that huh. yeah there's there's some rumors as to what it is that he's writing but given that it was like two years that this fanfic was out and then he finally came out and said this is this is the short story that i wrote under a pseudonym uh i am greatly updating away from people being able to identify uh authors by their writing style because i was sure people would be able to identify this in in moments and not one person even suggested it might be me <laughs> you know I that don't know if I could do that. Me wild because I, I feel like he has such a distinct voice. Me too. But then I look at, I'm thinking of Worth the Candle. Uh-huh. If you told me Eliezer wrote it, I would have believed you. And if you told me that uh, Alexander Wales wrote hmm. Methods of Rationality, I would have believed you. Like, okay. they, they, they I feel guess... so, like, they, they, like all the buttons that hit for me, they all hit the same button. Yeah, okay. Well, one of the most prolific... Good writers can write in different voices. They can. But one of the most prolific writers of our lifetimes who actually wrote his own stuff, because don't... <clears throat> Anyways, uh, is Stephen King. And for a long time, he published under Richard Bachman, uh, partly because publishers had this thing where they just didn't want to publish too many books by the same author in a year. They were like, oh no, audiences <laughs> will get burnt out on them. And turns out that's completely fucking that wrong. That is nonsense. Yeah. Look at how many James Patterson, uh, speaking G- of G- people James who Patterson, don't write yeah, their own things. I was about to say. He, he's one of the dudes. But anyhow, moving away from douchebags. Uh, you can just... You, you keep hitting a hang. So James Patterson doesn't write his own books? A lot of them he doesn't know. He, he just comes up with yeah, an outline and then he's like, go to work typing monkeys and I will take all the fame and most of the money. When I worked at a library mm-hmm. for like, and I mean, every time we got like, you know, there's a monthly budget for here's the new books like that, you know, sorry, backing up. That was totally incoherent. Uh, you get a monthly budget and then you purchase new books and you have to sort of look at the statistics of your circulation to see, okay, who do people want to see? And it's all, you know, everybody wants the new James Patterson book. And there's like a wait list of people before the book's even out to, uh, yeah, to put it on hold. But like, I just remember unboxing our book, like deliveries and having to like catalog and put stickers on all of them and stuff. And just like, huh, like three James Patterson books. Does he write three books a month? what the hell yeah <laughs> and then trying to read some of them and being like man uh 
there was a series of his that I started and it started really good. And, but you could just straight up tell the point where James Patterson's like, all right, I got to write my other six series that I'm working <laughs> on. So here you go, ghostwriter, you finish this because it just suddenly like characters were completely out of character. Whole plot threads were dropped. Like one character developed a superpower that was never mentioned again. Uh, <laughs> well, we can't let any discussion of, of books and authors go by without me mentioning Wheel of Time. Yes. The, the last three of which were written by uh, Brandon Sanderson. It was the last three. Uh, it was the last book but he broke it into three books oh yeah so um it was a very dis i don't even know if he was aiming for a a jordan style voice or not Mm because it was distinctly different it wasn't it wasn't worse it was just like different yeah yeah did it like throw you off or were you fine with it i knew it was a different author okay yeah i mean i but basically every every single um author who has been revealed to be writing under a pseudonym it's never been because someone figured it out it's always been a leak by a publisher or someone who knew them so jk saying... rowling wrote some adult books yeah. that were just apparently god awful I, I mean they were fine but they, she published they, they them under awful, but they were just the same thing i, as I heard else. some bad things about them but uh okay. shrug but she published them under what the heck was it um some some dude pseudonym yeah. because like they were like oh what if i i think she actually was like I'm going to like see if I publish this and like see if my writing's actually good right, or yeah. if people are just like oh that's the Harry Potter person I you got to read that and like it's the second one nobody likes third adult books so I feel like that's kind of a bummer for I would have just published it like under like <laughs> LM Bowling or something instead of <laughs> JK Rowling like, <laughs> make it make it kind of obvious yeah. but I mean you know when you're that successful like just go forth and mess around and do whatever you want. If people don't like your other stuff, cool. I'm going to ride my laurels on Harry Potter for generations to come. So I don't like J.K. Rowling as a person, but I do appreciate, or I have to respect the like, let me test if I'm a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> or also, if I, I happened upon like a formula people like, and now just attaching my name to anything will make it popular. I mean, it's the latter because a lot of people yes. <laughs> who really are good writers will never get famous. I mean, there's a huge amount of luck in it. So. Oh, yeah, famous yeah, like, like pretty random. Like Inyash Brodsky, for example. Yeah, he, who has written all of one book. I mean, come on. Several short stories. Some... Yeah, short stories. No one reads short okay. stories. And never is, is, you know, that has yet to be proved. You know, so you said uh, you said never get popular. Oh, so, oh, oh, right. Yeah, we'll have to we'll like have wait another century writing, before right? we well, determine I, whether I will not. have more news about this at the end of the episode, but <gasps> I am actually going to be starting on my next novel here in a month or two. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> we just did fist bumps you y'all had to hear them all right so we uh i was trying to think of some some way to tie this into we don't know what we don't know but no one knows what science doesn't know is yeah. the next post i think we just let's just go into it <laughs> didn't we talk about this one before at some point remember having done so it's i mean a lot of these have come up familiar yeah hmm. it may have just come up in conversation well can i read the beginning because i actually really liked his uh example sure at a family party some years ago one of my uncles remarked on how little science really knows For example, we still have no idea how gravity works, why things fall down. Actually, we do know how gravity works, I said. My father, a PhD physicist, was also present, but he wasn't even touching this one. And I just have to say, that's the wisdom that you have with age, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) We do, said my uncle. Yes, I said, gravity is the curvature of space-time. At this point, I'd still swallowed Feynman's line about, and this is a link, being able to explain physics to one's grandmother. It links back to the The double illusion of transparency, where I said that. That he had mistakenly at one point believed that you should be able to explain a complex thing to your grandmother. Well, you don't, I believe Feynman's line was, you don't truly understand something until you understand it well enough to explain it to your grandmother. Yeah, like something like that. But he yeah. was like, he's like, I used to think that this was basically, this is what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. So I continued, you could say that Earth goes around the sun in a straight line. Imagine a curve that shows both space and time so that a straight line shows steady movement and a curved line shows acceleration. 
then curve the graph paper itself. When you try to draw a straight line on a curved paper, you get what looks like acceleration. And then the uncle was just like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> but I loved that. Uh, I, that, that was like a really good visual representation of gravity, I thought. But then again, I also have prerequisite knowledge of the, I guess the uncle didn't. So he was just like, what the hell are you talking about? Why are you folding graph paper? Yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? So it goes on to say, and then I have, I have to like sort of do my annoyed thing about Eliezer, I think, assuming too much, going too far in the direction of Evo Psych. Okay. When was the last time in history when it was possible for a single human to know the knowledge of the most advanced civilization? I've seen various estimates for this, usually in the form of polymaths nominated for the position of last person to know everything. One plausible candidate is Leonardo da Vinci, who died in 1519, shortly after the printing press began to become popular, and shortly before Copernicus inaugurated the scientific revolution. Okay. But in the ancestral environment, it was possible to know everything, and that's why I was just like, oh, come on, da Vinci didn't know everything. Like, they had higher math in the Middle East that he probably didn't know about, and there was like advanced medicine and surgery in China and India that he probably didn't know about just because like they yeah so that's my nitpick about that okay. and then my nitpick about well in the ancestral environment there were like bands of 200 people and everybody could know everything and I was like bullshit no like you know flint napping is actually kind of difficult people specialized since we like first started understanding things and like developing skills yeah. which the, I'm gonna like end my rant and then like not bring it up again about that but just I get what he's saying. I think it's just overly simplistic. And also it's kind of treating ancestral people as dumb. They were as intelligent as us. I do think you have a good point that probably there was already way too much knowledge for anyone to know everything, um, even before history became a thing that was recorded. Uh, I, I, I kind of take this point more that if anyone in that, if anyone back in ancestral lands, if anyone knew how to do something, then everyone at least knew that someone knew it, right? Mm-hmm. Like if there was the knowledge of how to map yeah, rocks into arrowheads, then you may not have it yourself, but you know that this is something that the human race knows. And and like his his example was that there were people in the human race that were alive that knew how gravity worked, but his uncle literally thought that nobody alive knew uh, uh, yet. And and that, you know, was news to his uncle. And that is basically the point of the post that you don't know what someone somewhere might know because no one can know everything that... Not just know everything, but know everything that is known. Right. So it'd be one thing for me to understand everything in the world. I'd have to be very, very old or have a godlike brain, right? Mm. It would be a less, it would still be a mon monumental task and still unattainable, but much less unattainable for me just to know all the things that are known. I've got a big list in my head <laughs> of all the facts. And I don't, I, not, not the explanations, just all the knowledge, right? It's amazing to this day, and by to this day I mean to last week when I last saw this happen, there's still people getting hung up on the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Many Worlds has been around for so long and you're still hung up on this observer effect thing. Uh, he also brought up the movie What the Bleep Do We Know, which I have oh, had the displeasure of watching. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, it's as bad as everyone says, right? Yeah. It's complete woo. It it's basically Deepak Chopra explains quantum physics where he's just like, oh, you know, we don't understand why light, you know, so light is a particle and a wave. And that means that you can basically do anything by believing in it hard enough. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> That's obviously what it means. <laughs> well, you know, the observer effect means that you have to observe something in order for it to have happened. 
and so the waveform to collapse. Observe yourself. So the power of observation must be magic. Hmm. Yeah, no, nah, that's that's a, not what that means. If anybody thinks that, like, I'm going to observe myself getting younger. Nobody right who's now. listening hmm. to this thinks that, right? Yeah, maybe they do. Uh, I this he does have the quote in here, which is one of his quotes. I didn't realize it was in this post, but I often uh, use it. Uh, he says, if we are ignorant, ignorant about a phenomenon, that is a fact about our state mm. of mind, not a fact about the phenom- phenomenon itself, which is a great quote. Maybe he said the same thing in different posts, too, because I, I know I've brought it up before. It's I think that that was him just uh, yeah, calling back to an earlier sequence where okay. he said that. But like, I like the reiterations. All this stuff ties in in different ways. Also, I just want to read one more paragraph because it's hilarious. My uncle's not an isolated phenomenon. I've met people who think that science knows nothing about the brain and that thought is a complete mystery to us. My favorite was the fellow who confidently asserted that neuroscience had been unable to assign any function, in scare quotes, like, to the cerebral cortex, at which point I just burst out laughing because the cerebral cortex is the majority of the brain. It's like the things that aren't the hippocampus and the amygdala. Uh, I think basically it's like, it's, it's the whole new part of the brain that like humans use to do all the human thinking. stuff. Um, as Tom McCabe put it, anyone who claims the brain is a total mystery should be slapped upside the head with the MIT Encyclopedia of Cognitive Sciences. All 1,096 pages of it. And I was just like, I felt that. I feel that so hard. That's a mood. <laughs> I've heard the same thing before about, well, science doesn't really understand the brain. And I was like, can I please put my consumer grade uh, EEG on you and then show you your brain waves and then hit you with them <laughs> somehow because like we we know things we don't know all of the things but like it's not a mystery we know tons of shit about the brain shut up I, he does again have the inspirational stuff near the bottom where he says today the absence of knowledge is a fragile and temporary condition like the darkness in a closet whose door happens to be shut a single thought can shatter the absence of thought every scientific Every scientific discovery ever made destroyed an ancient absence of knowledge dating back to the dawn of time. And then no one knows what six, pi- six billion people don't know today, and still less does know what seven p- billion people will know tomorrow, which made me think, wait, where, was it around six billion people when he wrote this? It the was. date was 2007. So I looked it up because I was like, what are we at? Seven point something. I looked it up. 7.9. Yeah. I was we're almost say, eight. We're almost at eight. Yeah. Fuck yeah. In, in I, like 15 years. I guess like boo overpopulation problems but fuck yeah like science will solve those and we're gonna go colonize the stars god damn it i mean so far we haven't had mass starvation because because of science exactly and also fuck your organic food <laughs> Un- unrelated topic that i could rant about but won't. I-, I don't know why you were looking at me specifically when oh you no said that. i wasn't trying no, to i know you weren't <laughs> okay I-, I don't even know where you were looking because i was looking down but i was actually looking in your direction uh-huh. I-, I wasn't aiming it at you i was just like you're both sitting to my right yeah and i'm talking to the two of you <laughs> well that was our sequences for the day yeah did you have more to say steve no i think i'm good okay <laughs> you had an expression like I was I'm, I was holding back like my one about kind of like joke on organic food, which like they always say like pesticide free, which I just read as like full of bugs. <laughs> <laughs> it is though. I one time I got like some cilantro that I forgot, or I, I I don't know. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it was organic cilantro, oh, no. and it fucking wilted immediately and was full of bugs. And I was like, yeah. "Good job, organic food." <laughs> I tend to uh, not. Uh, buy organic whenever i can avoid it mainly just so i don't encourage those people it's more expensive and it's worse quality food also well, this sometimes. is a digression on a digression but it more is. power to people who want to buy them so 
you know, not shitting on it. It's no, it's got to bed. money, and it makes you feel good. Yeah. You could, we have a twenty thousand dollar couch we can sell you. Uh-huh. Well, no, our couch is going to be thirty thousand, right? That's right. Yeah, it's that one. It's a it's a relic. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it has been sat on by official rationalist butts. So yeah, I'm suddenly confused about where the conversation went. <laughs> it went over there. Um. All right. So okay. yeah, do we have sequence post lines up for next episode? We do. Do you already have them written down, or should I read them? Read them. Okay. So I think we should do three again because they. Uh... These are. Oh, are you sure? Because individual IQ differences is one that we can talk about, or at least. I. <laughs> Well, because then the next two are motivated stopping and the motivated continuation, okay. which kind of go right hand. I'm good with either. Whatever y'all want to do. Steven, would... we can handle three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Growth mindset. And if we spend so much time on one that we have to stop, then we can just do push the other two off to the deal. Okay. So possibly the only one we're doing next week is why are individual IQ differences okay? But we might do three, in which case we will also do motivated stopping and motivated continuation, which is one post, and a case study of motivated continuation. So looking forward to it. All right. Some good ones. So Steven, last time you were trying to talk about (laughs) how kids these days are a bunch of sensitive wanky crybabies. Snowflakes, one may say. <laughs> if one wanted to be particularly inflammatory, one could say that. And um, why we should take away their toys and make them sit in the corner? I don't know. Is that what that article is saying? No, no, it's not. It's just I've been <laughs> okay. talking with people on Discord about how they should always take away kids' toys and sit in corners, what? which is a gross, <laughs> a gross misstatement of their actual position. I just have I a microphone right now, and they don't, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power. Exactly. Everything I said is a lie. Steven, what are we actually talking about? Well, I was going to say about the kid thing is I've, I've spoken with actual parents who think that you guys are crazy. Okay. So I think we're going to try and continue where we were uh, heading last week or last episode, but I don't remember exactly where we left off. And I don't listen to this podcast. So. <laughs> I know. I don't either. Um, we should uh, probably spend so say... much time recording the podcast. I don't want to listen to it again afterwards. Right. They're, they're basically like the, the, the article talks about the three great untruths. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Always trust your feelings, and life is a battle between good people and evil people. And um, did we say that it's called the coddling of the American mind, and it's by Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt? I mean, we said that last time, but I feel like yeah, context. Anybody who happens to be listening to the first episode of the Vegas Conspiracy, totally. They did a an article in the 2015 Atlantic, which will be linked to in the episode, and that was turned into a book in 2018. And I only read the article; I didn't read the book. Um. I feel like it's one of those books where it just expands in the article and the article had me sold already. So, um, yeah. although that's out of sure, it's a lot more examples and updated stuff, whatever. But anyway, um, you know, he talks, he gives a bunch of examples of like, here's where things have gotten a little off the, off the rails in, in his assessment. And, um, you know, he cites like other academics who say, well, this is how they would, t- they, this is how they define something like, um, uh, labeling or something, uh, you know, so he it's not like he's just making up his own terms or working in a box. In fact, he co-wrote the, co-wrote the article, right? So Yeah, um, this is like Satan. Yeah, but I think we were talking about the, the first one. And so it's worth just kind of... <laughs> Did we not even get past the first? <laughs> I can't remember, but we, we, can, didn't. we can power through and talk about any parts that sound interesting. So, because uh-huh. this is something that, you know, and then we can think of any examples that are worth discussing. But the idea of what... So the other the reason he calls these the three great untruths is because... And I say he, even though it was they who wrote it, because I mostly associate this with Height, because I've listened to him talk about it on podcasts. Um, the the three great untruths are called such because they basically violate. This is like the new norms of what people are trying to live their li- uh, uh, ostensibly are trying to live their lives by, but they go against everything we know about human psychology 
going back to ancient wisdom to modern understanding of, of therapeutic techniques. And so the idea that, um, for example, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Like it, the, the idea that people are fragile uh, in a way that makes them susceptible just... Um, like you can make somebody's psychology worse by upsetting them. The more right. you upset them, you're just going to like curl up in a ball die yeah and, and especially <laughs> if you keep reinforcing the idea that that's what you're supposed to do if you're upset then yeah. people, that's what people are going to do but it like, does teach people the yeah sorry you're no i think uh well i don't know what you're gonna say but uh like there's this this mentality of just basically pure helplessness like if i if i'm exposed to a scary thought oh my god my day is ruined and i've got to i've got to show everyone my day is ruined and i've got to um i mean i'm not sure at what point it's it it it, it goes from like just signaling to like actually internally being true for yourself. I uh, think that like I know people's stuff or I've watched them as you know, sort of the Donna justice. I had these friends that were totally reasonable, cool people. And then a few months later, we were like posting hashtag kill all men or like in all caps. If any of you fuckers dare post a picture of Thanksgiving turkey on Thanksgiving, I will be, I'm going to unfriend you because I'm vegan and I'm triggered. I'm just triggered thinking about that. And I was like, mm. yeah, triggered. <laughs> what is, happens? <laughs> triggered the thing that I don't, I mean, I understand because everyone knows everyone knows of somebody or has met somebody maybe with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, That's mo- not what it means anymore. I oh, it, well, they it's like pre-traumatic. It's like pre-post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, no, or uh, the, being triggered was actually a, uh, it used to mean we'll give you a panic attack or like a PTSD flashback, but now people are using it to I will be very upset. Well, or they'll say they're having a panic attack just thinking about Thanksgiving dinner. But if that's really the case, what and this is what Hyde argues too as a as a social social psychologist that um or social scientist sociologist whatever <laughs> whatever he is um the brain man yeah well and and what i think just as true of of psychology that if that is really how your brain works we're thinking about thanksgiving dinner sends you into a panicky spiral you know your heart is constricting your your palms are sweaty or your your you're going through panic disorder you feel like you're going to die yeah. every time multiple times a day and, and well, even interestingly, it can be it can be super seldom, at least uh, from one person I heard an experience with, but or heard about an experience with. But. Yeah, well, I had panic disorder, but people can have panic attacks. Right. Yeah. Disorder time. means yeah. It's it's and my understanding too from panic disorder is it can just come out of basically nowhere. Uh yeah. And There's it, usually some inciting incident, but in my case, it was actually just chronic stress from working at Disney for like eleven hour days and having my boss call me. Like, God, I was like having dinner with my, it was like, I think on a holiday or a weekend or something. And he like calls me the CEO. No, actually it was, or rather, I, uh, whatever. It was some Walt Disney person. himself. <laughs> it was not Walt Disney himself. He is Crawled back out of the dead. grave. But uh, yeah, he like called me. He's like, hey, we need to talk about the fonts on this. And I was just like, dude. And the Jews too. I like sort of let him rant for a bit. And I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. Like I, I, I'm taking oh, note right, of the fact that. Not even my boss. Like the it was he was the CFO of the company. I was trying to remember his title. So like I, I just I thought we were still talking about Walt Disney. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, he was dead when I was. Right. Uh, yeah, but I was like, okay, I, like I, I I know that you're upset about these fonts, like, and you need to talk to me about that when it is not Saturday at eight p.m. and I'm not out at dinner with my family. <laughs> I think <laughs> like, one of the things that annoys me about the triggered phrase is because like the classic, exa- I know but the classic <laughs> example is you know an actual war veteran yeah. who like a balloon pops near him and all of a sudden like he it's has like all the stress cover. reactions yeah. yeah of someone trying to kill him because he went through that and that's like a flashback literally like 
is i mean you can have ptsd about like being raped or no no, no i know i mean all kinds and, of that, but like you feel like you're you're back there like yeah, it's yeah. not it's not just like you uh, know what i'm, I'm very upset is... it's i honestly like i think i'm back on the battlefield being yeah. shot at yeah but they don't the thing is people who have those disorders generally don't go around demanding that society conform to them. Like if I'm going to walk into a restaurant, I want to make sure there's no balloons there because <laughs> I could get triggered. Or if I'm going to, it's like you sue McDonald's cause like some kid had a balloon or something. Yeah. Like exactly. Like, yes, yeah. this is the thing that sucks about your life. This is why you don't want to have PTSD and you feel bad for people to do. And hopefully they can find some way to treat it. But you know, you don't go around attacking other people <laughs> for having triggered you because of whatever yeah well, jesus christ like i the, the hashtag kill all men thing where like i was just like what the fuck are you talking about like well you know when i say all men i don't actually literally mean all men and you should know that but, but like i'm a i'm a rape survivor so i get to say whatever i want right. just call like, them transphobic next time no. like, you want to kill all trans men that's fucked up actually I can't it's funny that. because i i, I cool. sort of I, I was not like i didn't identify as a trans guy at the time and i sort of wish i could go back in time and be like oh wow excuse you like i gotta unfriend you i guess you're gonna kill me right like but, it would have been a good yeah. move i haven't heard someone say that in years but i've also been off facebook i probably haven't heard someone say that since i left Steph facebook in 2015 moved, so according to scott alexander like everybody's upset about race now and the gender stuff is over so yeah that's race is the huge thing yeah now. We, we, gender stuff is over like we can forever. get to the race cool. too when we get to this thing because <laughs> basically it's just well, well there's I'm specific there topics there. that people get especially upset about for understandable reasons i don't want to sort of like the age of conversation we were having i want to mm. make it real clear that like i don't want to trivialize ptsd and i think that the, that like Originally, social justice, I, I was all behind it when I heard about it. I was like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, I it would literally be, called but, myself a social yeah, justice warrior. Like, it sounded like such a cool thing to be. Back when it meant a good thing. <laughs> but, like, it, I, I totally think that, like, people, you know, th that there is not enough awareness of things like panic disorder and how common PTSD is because you don't just get it from being in combat. Like, you can get it from, uh, man, I had it. They're gone. Where did well, my examples being go? Being raped. Yeah, well, um, yeah, there's actually a lot of people have PTSD about childhood, not even childhood, rape, molestation. There's a lot there's, of bad things scary that can cause and it. can yeah. trigger it. Yeah, it can get triggered, Rosie. But, like, that is totally reasonable, and I, I do want there to be more awareness of that and more, like, I don't know. I My, my thing with trigger warnings is that, like, I, I was sort of for them when it was like, okay, um, hey, I'm, I'm your college professor, we're doing african-american studies and we're gonna read huck finn but like i want to put some trigger warnings here to let people know that they're gonna have like the n-word a bunch of times uh and the, like the idea was here's the sort of opt-in opt-out like if you can handle this cool i'm just like trying to look out for if anybody might like you know but it doesn't mean ban the book <laughs> like i think that was actually an example in this article where they said like well like huck finn is banned now because it might offend people honestly i can see books like huck finn or uncle tom's cabin or really any book that contains the n-word still be required reading you just tell people up front look this has the n-word in it it's for a reason yeah like it, it it's not going to be comfortable but it's an important book for this class for this reason and we're going to read it. What's interesting with the discomfort thing, I guess I've got two thoughts. Well, and a meta thought of kind of just blanketing the last 10 minutes of, you know, the, I think the mentality of many of the people in this domain is, uh, <laughs> is well-intentioned, you know, hey, we're trying to make people feel safe, feel better or whatever. It's hard to argue against um, without looking like an ass. Well, yeah, and that's kind of why I'm caveating it. But I, I, I do know that like a large part of what some people enjoy about it is like, 
just the the fun of being in a dog fight that like yeah. or the, the thrill of being in a fight that you know you can't lose because because I, I you're think that they feel like righteous like crusaders against evil and that can be a dangerous mindset yeah i think that like we we're talking with triggers and ptsd like uh, this is a quote from the article too but like avoiding all uh avoiding all triggers is a symptom of ptsd not a treatment <laughs> for it right <laughs> yeah. actually that, um it, it really is like i mean you mentioned a war bet like I, I remember i was at the gas station 10 plus years ago and it was raining out and the guy was like oh yeah he was checking me out but there's already somebody else there and i don't know how it came up i don't know the guy but he's like yeah, i'm just hanging out waiting for the rain to stop and i'm like oh walking home and he's like no i just i don't drive in the rain the going over the potholes watching the splashes reminds me of ieds and it freaks mm-hmm. me Jesus. out yeah. and that's that's just where i'm at with this yeah. but he, he said it just nonchalantly like this is where he was at in his treatment of it you know he, he oh, can man, drive yeah. again he can do stuff but he's he's like yeah driving in the rain just not not i'm not there yet and like that so i mean and you know one person suffering doesn't mean someone else should have the same threshold of suffering you know this is this guy there is the whole um highly sensitive person hsb thing where like and uh, actually the book the body keeps the score is really great for a lot of things but has it was the psychologist who first sort of like figured out effective treatments for psd um and well like exposure therapy yeah is a is a not bad way to go about treating ptsd um the example from the article was uh you know imagine a woman who got stuck in an elevator and had a panic attack felt like she was going to die and then if you want to ensure that she can never operate in an office building again or have a normal (laughs) life you can make sure that she never has to go on an elevator again right Mm -hmm. Then that, that that's kind of what this this mentality leads towards is let's never assimilate you you should never be uncomfortable yeah let's let's just accommodate your entire life around your elevator phobia but instead what you really should do is do this with or without a doctor what like the... physically present but under the advice of a doctor start by looking at an elevator again maybe from like the safe distance of the lobby of a building and then you know approach it watch people come on and off you know just the idea of reconnecting with it in a way like oh yeah this isn't scary every time in fact it's almost never scary maybe take some mdma under supervision as well oh i'm so excited about um the the potential of mdma therapy yeah i don't want to um yeah it's gonna be awesome i'm so glad they're actually researching that i the thing is i don't want to be the asshole like there are actually people i guess with this highly sensitive person disorder that (laughs) That, I think it's not. It's just a uh, people. There's a very what is it? A bell curve, probably I mean, threshold if of it is, if, if distress it's, tolerance. If it's impacting your life to the point where you cannot interact with the normal world, then it, it's a disorder. Yeah. Textbook. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how they. That's how it's defined. And but the like. I think there's not actually a disorder. I don't for think. It, though. I don't think anyway, like sorry. everyone should just be like, oh, just toughen up, you snowflake. Um, the problem that i have with it is not the people who actually have disorders that could use some help and that i hope you know they can get help and i can be accommodating of them it's more the fact that now literally everybody is like well i'm highly sensitive about this thing so you have to do whatever you know it is that i'm demanding of you it's basically an exertion of power just because you know this is a power that i can flex and I'm going to do it. And, and what are you yeah, going to do? Say like, s- oh, I don't think you're actually a highly sensitive person. When you're already somebody who feels really powerless, that probably really empowering. I I do like understand where people are coming from and why they. And like I heard, um, uh, there's a lot of discussion of social justice, but um, somebody pointed out that somebody who's been bullied their whole life now has the power to bully others. Yeah. Basically, that this is like it, it gets. It can get to a point of be just outright being bullying. For example. This person who was actually writing this was the person who was a professional artist and had their career ruined because they 
posted like aged up versions of cartoon characters like making out or something and they were like pedophile mm-hmm. chase them off the internets also they're they're like also they're anti-semitic and transphobic and i was like this is literally a jewish trans dude you guys <laughs> i don't think that people knew that and the thing it was is, like they just needed to start like finding evidence for it was, it was a witch hunt yeah at that point point. and like steven said it's one that you can't lose because i know if i were to say something like that uh like the you know I'm annoyed about people flexing power as opposed to I don't have a problem with uh, helping people with actual disorders. Then you're like, well, you're gatekeeping mental disorders now. Who are you to say I don't have this? Or sort of putting the onus on everybody else to like pamper this person and also to like predict what things you'd think might trigger people, which is you sort of pointed out like. You can slip on a banana peel. <laughs> this is a really stupid example, but like then have PTSD about bananas, and nobody's going to predict like, hey, trigger warning. Uh, the, this photo has a banana in it, and somebody might have slipped on a banana. Like, there's just you can have all kinds of bizarre things that are associated with. Dude, I remember there was a Slate Star Codex <laughs> post where he uh, posted a picture of a spider. I don't even remember why. It was some kind of joke thing, and uh, it was edited within an hour or so to take down the picture. He's like, "Sorry, I was uh, informed that people, yeah, <laughs> that there's people who are triggered by pictures of spiders, and they were reading my article and suddenly had a panic attack, so it's taken down now." And I'm like, "Really? I can kind of sympathize." And so that, that, that's that's where this becomes interesting. And you know, like, but so again, you can sympathize with like the response, the the ick response to a spider, or just the oh my god, that freaks me out. But like, not with the like. But everyone but, has like, that people response. Need, I get to everyone. control other people's content with yeah. my like objections. Like, what I, what I might have done, and I didn't see this article, if I was a frequent com- commenter, which I've never commented, um, I might have said, you know, I don't know what that spider picture to do with the post, like. You know, it, it was d- related it in some way. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it did something, I might be like, "That fucking sucked." You know, like I, uh, there's a subreddit I like called um... "Oops, all spiders." No, thank God, <laughs> I'm not there. No, no, it's one that that never has spiders, but it had one, and I. And it's I, called honest, "No Spiders Here." I, I forget what it, I forget what it's called. It's but all it, spiders wearing mustaches, pretending they're not spiders. Oh, oh it's it's r slash hmm. Okay. And uh, the anyway, probably three six months ago. There was one that had this horrifying spider in it that I'm imagining was photoshopped or something, but wasn't expecting to see it. It's still with me right now. I'm still <laughs> not in love with it. But like that's the you know again somebody with with way more arachnophobia than me may have been actually like you know freaked the fuck out rather than just made severely uncomfortable for six months whenever they thought about it. But like it's not. Uh, I think that that was that was the thing about just like you said about or like. You said about uh, people having to accommodate everything. I I think that it's it's under like in your own space at your own house. You know, if you want someone to not bring over meat because you're a vegetarian, more power to you. It's your place. Right. Yeah. Um, if you go over to their place for dinner, and I mean, you know, they are inviting and you. And like you, their you spouse is cooking a steak outside, and you're like, no. <laughs> well, so that's sort of that's, kick that, their grill over. You know, because Hopefully because most of my friends in real life and the people I interact with aren't of this variety. The the super majority of encounters I've had had with them are online and it's just the 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 weird sense of like entitlement you know you go into someone else's corner and you're like i demand you clean this up and put these signs up and it's like but it's not your house <laughs> like i just don't understand that yeah the entitlement that's that's a good i was trying to articulate where i think that i about that so i've been invited to a uh, acquaintance's friend almost friend yeah sure i say to friend's house <laughs> uh i say uh on next week and they're vegan and said you know Feel free if you do bring anything, not to bring anything that's not vegan, right? I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's your house. Totally makes sense. 
but like the kind of person who would post Wait, don't sorry. put any pictures of thanksgiving turkey to me feels like just the exact same kind of person who would be like hey i'm gonna bring my beef jerky to your house even though i know you're oh. vegan and you expi- explicitly told me i would not like not to have that stuff in my it's house. it's like the reverse behavior yeah. but the same assholishness both ways yeah, yeah. um god i had like a thing about the entitlement um i'm sure it'll come up again my brain is doing <laughs> no you're good there was something that i remembered from a minute ago too i wanted to, to put out which was the idea you know huck finn is reading huck finn is uncomfortable i don't like reading the n-word you know mm-hmm. and i mean and i've never been uh in a population that was subjugated to it right mm-hmm. so it's just like it's it's a it's a gross reminder of of bad parts of the world and especially bad parts of history but to make i guess like if you're going to move mountains or like reform the education system to make no one ever uncomfortable again, you got to rule out a lot of history, that like actual history. You may, may, maybe you can skip Huck Finn because it's it's fiction, but it, like if you can you're never skip talk about, about the Holocaust, slavery, mm-hmm. yeah, or yeah, the Holocaust, never like, talk about slavery. Yeah, that's doing the op- that's going to have the opposite effect on future generations. Like you're not teaching them about the mistakes we made in the past, and then they're gonna repeat them. Yeah, or, I mean, you know. you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if these people will become the next Hitler, but like, <laughs> but the point stands of just like, you know, is the world too scary? Is is the history of the world too scary? The history of the world is scary. It sucked. The world can be scary, but I guess, you know, and again, I, I'll quit caveating it. But yes, yeah, some people have actual issues like and disorders, whether or not this hypersensitivity thing is called a disorder or not. It seems to fit the definition of impacts my life, like on a day to, on a day to day basis. Um, I think that's just basically the, what constitutes a disorder. Um, yeah, but the uh, I was just there's like a version of that, but that definitely like I I dated someone who had who was a HSP, and they didn't like having it. We would watch movies, and they'd have to like go leave the room and hyperventilate if like they saw a scene where a character had something bad happen to them, and then they would feel it happening to themselves. Wait, how can you watch any movie if you can't watch something bad happening to someone? That's the whole point of fiction. They mostly watched uh like. My Little Pony and uh, Scooby Doo and like musicals. They they did like things that had like I don't know. They just liked the fact that they had this because they're like I like dr- drama and like murder mysteries and stuff. Like I wish I could watch these. It's just like yeah. they could never predict when something was going to actually trigger them. I guess you're right. My Little Pony didn't have very much in, term, <laughs> in those terms. I they, mean, there was still yeah. some conflict, but you always knew that. They were going to win through the power of friendship at the end. <laughs> I think, yeah, like that. I used to actually have like to... the Avengers. <laughs> I I used to. Have That's to... a oh. damn <laughs> apt compare. Wait. Avengers is basically My Little Pony for adults. Wait, <laughs> My no, Little no, Pony. I... My Little Pony is basically Avengers for children. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that works oh, too. No, the whole it? point. That's what I love about all these. You know, it's a solo movie is fun, but it's like no, really, it's the it's the synergy and working together. <laughs> and being able to do things as a group that you can't do alone. All of that, it's the, it's the magic of friendship. It's perfect. I would love to see a parody where just the Avengers are all ponies. But I'm sure anyway. There's, I'm sure there's, there's Rule 34 something. of it out there somewhere. Uh, well, Rule 34 is porn specifically. But I know. Oh. Uh, so I'm, I'm saying not only does it exist, but there's also <laughs> yeah. porn of it. A yeah. pony Be- Avenger porn. Because there's you thought of it. also a gender-swapped <laughs> porn version of this pony parody. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, according to the most basic tenets of psychology, helping people with anxiety disorders avoid the things they fear is misguided is one of those pop-out quotes from this article. And I did, rather than just complaining about social justice like last time, want to, as Stephen suggested, talk about this from the lens of CBT. Uh, apparently I'm the resident expert, which, lol. Uh, no, I, I have You're the resident it. expert on everything brain. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've got more brain questions for you that thank oh. you for reminding me. So, but those are do after ask the me show brain things. questions. I I'm will. Big neurology nerd. Perfect. Uh, but 
Yeah, so you were talking about exposure therapy. Um, I was talking about the body keeps the score, which was talking about somatic therapy. Um, well, literally, like the, the, the title of this book, I, I really recommend this book to everybody. It's awesome. Uh, is that like, uh, so, so things, traumatic experiences are actually stored in the body um, a lot of the time. He was the, the author, uh, whose name I don't remember, was describing... What was would, the name of this book? The Body Keeps the Score. Um, he was describing his work with traumatized patients in, I think, a possibly a like voluntary, you know, when you voluntarily institutionalize yourself, they, they were at some kind of like clinic for people that were just like, yeah, no, I need to, you know, go to a mental health clinic. Things aren't good. And the they couldn't figure out what therapy to do with them. They were trying to do yoga and people would like start crying and run out of the room like he had a bunch of he said like you know female patients who had a sex molestation rape based ptsd and so like in one case it was something like a okay and then like put your left knee on the ground and this woman like runs out of the room crying and this isn't i'm not remembering the details exactly but it was like oh like later she's like sorry my abuser grabbed me by that knee and held me down with it like and then raped me so like reminding myself that the, my left knee exists by doing yoga triggered that and again that's the whole like you can't predict that there's no possible way to predict what any possible person might be triggered by because it can be totally random shit like that it's connected to a traumatic experience but uh what this person developed was a somatic therapy system where you're working with the body first in order to just reacclimate yourself to the feeling of being in your body and having those emotions basically sort of an exposure therapy thereon with you know in a, in a safe setting with guidance. Same thing with like Stephen was talking about with exposure therapy. If you have arachnophobia, uh, you don't just want to go like, I'm going to challenge my arachnophobia. I'm going to go to the zoo and I'm going to look at all the tarantulas. Mm-hmm. And no, that's the, that makes it that's worse. a recipe for freaking yourself the fuck out. Like, yeah, you want to do it in steps. You want a professional guide to, to do this sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing is I, I, I wouldn't be prepared to guess on like the appropriate treatments for most phobias. Right. Um, yeah, but um, but it's an important ingredient that you like actually try to treat it, especially if it's actually ruining your life. Yeah, and no. If you are like, the person who's that freaked out by thinking of Thanksgiving dinner, like you're, and you're actually suffering. That's the thing. If you're if you're if you're scare quote suffering on Facebook to, for for upvotes or whatever, yeah, that's that's one thing. But if you're actually suffering, you should do something about this. Yeah. Do you guys remember when we were fighting to basically? What I remember was fighting to get gay people the right to marry and be treated as equals. I think that was before time, largely. Okay. I, I mean, was there was still say like... Even older people could probably remember the fight for getting uh, non-whites in America. Yeah, well, to, uh, interracial to marriage. Have, yeah, yeah, to not be... That wasn't no, that long ago, was it? Like, it was like, it's, there's it's people like alive right now that still remember it, yeah. Um, but I was like, what? at what point did the social justice wheels fall off the wagon where we went from trying to actually make life better for minorities and make the world more equal to where it is now where it's just trying to to beat people up and basically perpetuate race i think it was a runaway process you know like and i'm not uh and i haven't dug into the the history of this but like it everything that you see now can be seen as a as a reasonable evolution of things that were being advocated for 20 years ago i see it as something getting co-opted by signaling and politics that too i don't think it's reasonable at all but i do think it was co-opted by people who want power who are racist yeah i mean i mean like i mean mean, uh sorry go on i was gonna say like a a, an incremental uh understandable step-by-step evolution in that sense reasonable not a rational evolution right yeah 
I mean, there's a lot of people that I knew and that I were friends with that I'm sadly not friends with anymore. And a lot of it was about them just getting more and more sucked into this. And at some point being like, huh, it turns out you read Scott Alexander and you're a Nazi. So I'm not sure I want to hang out with you anymore. I'm like, well, I do read Scott Alexander. I don't apologize for that because he's not a Nazi and neither am I. And Scott Alexander's a sweetheart. I'm yes, so upset when people try to say that he's problematic. Yeah. And like the... Well, I haven't met him personally. For all his readings, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, you have. And met him even personally. just, but even just reading his blog and his, right, the only people who could say that are people who don't read him. And oh my god, no, uh, and I mean yeah. that's that's the distressing part. Like at some point, I turned around and I was like, wait a minute, this has gone off the rails and it's bullshit. And a lot of people haven't got to that point, and I don't know when they will. Like, how do you? How can people get to that point where they realize this is nuts? <laughs> Raising the sanity. And I mean, I know it's happening more now. I've been very heartened to hear that lately in college campuses, there's been a bit of a, I don't know if I would call it a backlash exactly, but people saying like, this is fucking crazy. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the new teens are going to save us all. Thank God. <laughs> the, new, the new teens are like so out of fucks to give. I think that they don't even have the energy to be <laughs> oh, uh, social justice That's warriors depressing. of any flavor. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to point out last time we were talking about this, but then like, it's my own fault that I forgot because tied up anything about social justice. I almost did it again because you were talking about losing friends to social justice and I wanted to bring up this ridiculous story about that, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to say that heterodoxacademy.org is a thing that exists and it is, well, it says on its site, a group of 5,000 plus professors, administrators, K through 12 educators, staff and students who believe diverse viewpoints and open inquiry are critical to research and learning. And, uh... This was actually somebody in the rationalist community and in my Philly group uh, told us about this and we talked about it for a while, but this was like a backlash against the, what is it, like liberal bias the that they have. The, well, the wokes, but like it was not even really about that. It was like um, professors losing their jobs for having like conservative political opinions that didn't even come up really. Or I mean, it was, it was I think, just as much about professors leaving losing their jobs for having liberal opinions that weren't liberal enough that too um yeah uh this was an attempt to like i don't know form sort of a community movement uh yeah but the heterodox academy is mostly like older people people who are already you know in their 20s 30s whereas i was thinking there are students who are yeah okay i was i was more i i'm always more happy to see things where there's actual um people in their teens organizing and stating these opinions because because that makes it feel like it's more that the future is not lost <laughs> when it's younger people pushing yeah. for it rather than like old wise people that it takes 60 years to get this wisdom but we don't that i'm long to share it yeah so uh, um um sorry we, we're no. cutting you off uh i'm just reading a part of their site again they're saying the problem our commitment to heterodoxy within the academy so yeah it is like this is focusing primarily on college and it's college professors but they did say that it's they've, they've got K through 12, they've got students, um, has taken shape as a response to the rise of orthodoxy within scholarly culture. When people fear shame, ostracism, or any form of social or professional retaliation for questioning or challenging a commonly held idea, we believe the best way to prevent orthodoxy from taking root within the academy is by fostering three key principles, open inquiry, viewpoint diversity, and constructive disagreement. <laughs> That's the my like is that my primary i think that might be my primary objection to the um social justice uh or whatever they were talking about the coddling of the american mind i guess is that yeah you don't you don't solve problems by just censoring them like you have to have the, the constructive disagreement there is like you know you know what really broke me 
I had been a supporter of the ACLU for many, many years oh. because they're the Rachel DeLisle thing. Oh, I don't. I don't. Wait, was that the ACLU? Anyway, sorry. Go on. Uh, I mean, like I, I the, the 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 word literally slipped through my ears because I was just thinking. Um, yeah, the the ACLU thing where um they were always the people like don't censor anyone. Ideas are best when they're refined and people can talk about them and there's no such thing as a thought crime and this is what we're all about and we'll fight for everybody's rights and you know one of their lead lawyers has gone on record saying that there is a book that they want banned and burned that no one should ever be allowed to read and i'm like mm. you you've literally become the book burners like how did this happen and they still send me mail every now and then being like hey why aren't you supporting us anymore <laughs> did they write them an this, angry letter is this back lead lawyer just one person or is this a company or an organization endorsed position well it's one of their lead lawyers speaking publicly for the company uh for the aclu and they didn't ever disavow it or anything yeah i mean because i you know if if uh whatever the a c-level executive of apple or something came out as a racist it doesn't mean apple's racist it means that guy is right right um, oh that's another thing though like um is like now sort of standard to call for that person to be fired or punished some way yeah yeah and there's there's another weird wrinkle with that too well i guess as one thing i was going to mention about maybe this turning around like there are cases of professors and other university staff getting students expelled or suspended um, for the exact kind of same weird bullshit that they're trying to get teachers fired over. Like uh, some of them are in mean? this. Some of them are in this article. Like um, uh, one professor or dean or something, they wanted a parking garage built on campus, and uh -huh. students didn't like it. So one student put like a Facebook collage with a joke about like, "Look, it's going to be the, a memorial parking garage," because the guy said it was be something about his legacy. Hmm. and so that the guy pretended to take it as i i took that as a threat to my life and, oh god and uh i felt scared and and so the the kid was was severely disciplined or expelled um so like the thing is this is like it's becoming this is, 1984 this is, here this is a weapon that that you can't just swing one way right and it's it's gonna be if you're if you're if you're enjoying the feeling of like taking down the powerful by being one of the historically powerless like the powerful are going to stay powerful. They're going to just take your tools, right? <laughs> and it's it's going to be easier for them to do it because they've got a bigger platform. Um, if they want to stoop to that level, which again, there was other cases like that in the same in uh, the calling of the American Mind essay. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's uh, one was a picture of on Instagram of one of the other coworkers' daughter, and her shirt said, "I will take through what I want through fire and blood" or something from Game of Thrones, uh -huh. and they deemed through some meeting that this person needed to have that fire well that that clearly meant an AK47 <laughs> and uh. right so it's so it, it's it's that kind of madness yeah and so i mean the quote is literally one about using violence to get what you want but I, it's clearly like if you put it, if you have it on a shirt it's like i i like game of thrones and yeah. this is a, this is a, maybe metaphorically i'll do this but i think it's not this person is proclaiming that they're going to use violence to get what they want from the school it's a shirt showing that they like game of thrones well and if you want to just take it one level higher it could just be a a, a sigil of house stark or, or just the game of thrones logo and they could say that show is about getting what you want through violence i think that means uh people um, did a rape a nine that, show. that means that you're endorsing rape by wearing that shirt right so i mean you know it, the buck's got to stop somewhere yeah. and it will eventually like and i think it's slowing down the the google trends for all these key terms are going down um at least on some of the, the metrics well, but the, there was that scott alexander post and i feel like maybe we should have brought that one in conversation where he was talking about the feminist movement um uh the new feminists becoming a big thing there's a big spike 
And then now things have shifted to race. Mm -hmm. So like nobody's talking about elevator gate or whatever anymore. Or like they, they, they did actually have graphs there showing the like rise in popularity of certain terms and then those falling. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is just a thing that's cyclical that happens, and I, I hope not. Like I, I do actually. I l want to sort of bring attention back to Heterodox Academy, and I wanted to talk more about CBT uh, rather than just complain about this and catastrophize about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which, wow, that's that would have been a good segue to CBT. Let's talk about catastrophize catastrophizing then. Yeah. <laughs> if I could have made a joke, because uh, CBT is I was talking about um, the somatic therapy, um, exposure therapy. Those are sort of tackling the issue on more of the visceral level. And then CBT is honestly sort of using rationality to overcome your your brain's glitches. I love it. It's I've gotten so much bang for my buck out of it. And the cool thing is that you could find, I think, the CBT workbook for free or like really cheap online. And just like apparently, again, Scott Alexander uh, did some rants on Polar found some research showing that just reading the book and doing CBT yourself is about as effective on average as like doing professional CBT with a psychologist. So like if you don't have insurance or, you know, there's not a CBT practitioner, apparently this is just a completely legit option. That's how I did it. Uh, or combination. Um, I've done a little bit of CBT with some therapists, but mostly it was just reading the exercises and then practicing them. Probably depending on where you're at, you might need like a professional to help get you started because yeah. uh, it's one thing to just read the book and be able to say the words, but then another if, to, if to internalize really it to and face. do the lesson. Yeah. yeah. So if someone's talking, if you're, if you're in a conversation with somebody and they're going to call it, call it your conversation and say, hold on, you're doing that thing. You know, you're catastrophizing, you're, um, you're spiraling on this or whatever. And you're like, oh yeah, shit, you're right. Where you kind of, maybe it just helps to have someone groove those into your brain, help groove those into your brain, right? Yeah, this is actually like, it gives you, CBT gives you a toolkit of basically like, I, I liked it because it looked a lot like, um, or basically is cognitive biases that you can identify yourself doing. You basically carry around this list of cognitive distortions. You know, we didn't, I think, talk directly on uh, great untruth number two, always trust your feelings. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that. What do they say huh. about trusting your feelings? This this gets complicated because you never want to say some, to somebody your feelings are wrong. But if you're using emotion in place of facts to inform your decision making, you're just doing things incorrectly. And that's not like, that's not just my opinion, man. That's it, it, <laughs> that's dialectical behavioral therapy. The, Feelings aren't facts. And and it's important to keep that in mind. And so like, this is like one of those things where um, if the intent of somebody's words was, and there's like that popular case, this probably came up in the last episode where um, this dean was at least forced to step down or got under heavy fire. I always forget who got fired. Some kind I don't of really punishment. Care. Yeah, she got in some serious punishment. Somebody at the school wrote her letter. It was one of those rich kids schools where <laughs> like 2% of the population who goes there came from poor backgrounds. So like nobody's struggling when they go to Yale, except for 2% of people. But <laughs> um, it's it was like, you know, I don't feel welcome here. This, this school didn't really like wasn't made for me it was a minority student and uh I, I don't feel like i fit the typical mold of the student here and the, okay. the dean wrote back was like you know that i really appreciate you reaching out it's important to me and to the entire college name community that <laughs> we make everybody feel included I'd, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about you know what you feel it is that uh we we can help like make the the, the help better fit the student mold to encompass people or something and I'm I'm misphrasing it a bit because I'm drawing it from memory, but it's idea. it's essentially that message. But if you squint and look at it through as uncharitable a lens as possible, 
and like this person did do that and then share it on Facebook and say, well, I guess I don't fit the mold of my college or something. And then I invite your feedback and shoot that out to your, your, your Facebook friends or something. Um, did they not know that they weren't white? What? The student? No, the student was not white. Yeah. Did the student not know that they're not white? They knew they weren't. They and they knew that they were going to Yale. Well, they wanted to go there and express that opinion, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, I don't see how you can possibly complain about not being white in Yale when you knew you weren't white in Yale. It's I like you get there and you're like, wait is... a minute. I've never seen a mirror before. <laughs> I, I think they might have had a, like, I don't know. Uh, the, it sounded like the dean's response was what might help this kind of thing instead of caving into... Because, like, you know, it's the people fear... Um, we, witch hunts they, they fear mobs they fear getting fired and shamed publicly but if more people sort of had the courage i guess to be like hey uh it sounds like you're upset and i'd like to hear more about like why you're upset and then we maybe we can get together like a think tank and and think of ways that we can try to you know make everybody here feel better like, like I, 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 let's I, discuss this i literally <laughs> don't understand because the dean was like basically saying you're not comfortable i hear that I would like to work with you to make yeah. you feel more accepted and more comfortable. And the person's like, he just admitted I don't fit the traditional mold. I'm like, did you want him to lie? And her. say, did, oh, did you want, the dean is that her? <laughs> yeah. Did I, only, you want, I only bring that up because she's also in a minority group. Okay. Did yeah. you want her to lie and say, oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't tell that you don't fit the mold because you looked very white to me. Like it, what? It's impossible to know what kind of response would have been accepted if this one wasn't it. Because it sounds like you know, they I read... didn't want like to. They they didn't want to solve the problem. Yeah, they wanted to stir shit. Yeah, yeah. But... And I think that's what really annoys basically everyone who isn't someone who's trying to just be this kind of person. It's it's the fact that we they are trying to do something about it, and you don't actually want help. You're not asking in good faith. Yeah, you're just trying to Start be an asshole. And it's get, unfortunate get your... because. A cooperative dean who wanted to make the campus a better place was, you know, pushed out because he wanted to make a shitstorm out of it's not it's not clear why. Yeah. Oh, so wait, I think I forgot that in the beginning of that sentence you had started it with or that story. This dean had been punished after this, right? Yeah, in some way. So the the initial that complaint sucks. wasn't about a person. Really it was just like I don't feel comfortable here. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was like let me, you know, me the dean of the school who's busy. Let, I would love to meet with you. Let's let's yeah. let's make the school a better place with your input. And uh, I think they, it, yeah, I mean, so then that was the person who ended up getting called out and tried to either successfully or unsuccessfully canceled or something. Yeah, I mean, um, canceling, yeah, the threat of canceling is the thing that makes people not respond in this way and just like cave in or try to cover their asses. I think that this, the dean's response is what like people should commit to doing if they're in positions of authority or whatever, or like, I don't know, say I'm running a Facebook group and somebody's like, yeah, uh, people keep, I don't know, it's a, a Facebook group about cooking and then somebody gets all upset because people keep posting pictures of meat and they're vegan and they need to put trigger warnings on those and maybe ban those people. And like, I feel like... Go join a vegan I, cooking group. Though. Yeah, as like the Facebook like community manager or whatever they call that thing, uh, the mod, I don't know, uh, could be like, hey, like, you know, private message them. I see that you're upset. Can we talk about this? And then just keep responding that way. If there was like some way that we could actually get... um. Uh, coordination around this is the way to respond to this and just people only have the power to bully you if they know that like you're going to cave into their demands or that like you know that they're not going to experience repercussions but like honestly like if you're going to come at me with a complaint i'm going to say something like I, okay like what what are we going to do about this you know 
it might just be like, wait, what? You want me to help you solve it? I just wanted to complain and have all my problems taken away. When? Well, <laughs> but like, a, yeah, I think just keep replying that way, and the people, the person can freak out at you, and like you have to be like, wow, you seem really upset, and I'm sorry that that like you're feeling bad. I I I think your feelings are valid, but let's but seriously, let's talk about how we can fix this problem. I mean, there, there's a couple, <laughs> and just keep doing it. I, I think that the two main problems with that. Because it, it sure is nice, and that would work on a one-to-one basis. But the, on the one hand, this person, when you when you refuse to capitulate immediately, they can just go grab 30 of their friends and start a tweet yeah, storm. Yeah, that's why I was talking is... about coordination problems, because, like, you can't get everybody to... There's no way I would... Like, you can get all college professors to make a pact that, like, we're not caving into this shit. <laughs> right. But even then, too, just being the target of harassment is stressful, and you oh, want to yeah. leave anyway. And mm-hmm. so, like... What, who I really blame about this whole thing is Harvard. Like, some students are going to be shit heels. There's no two ways about it. But then they sacked the dean instead of standing by her. Yeah, that's coward. That's absolute coward cowardice shit. and bullshit. Whatever school this was, I forget. It's in or, the, or Yale. Or I, think whatever in, I think it's in the post. And if it's not, institution it's, this was. Yeah. But the other, the other problem with just trying to engage this person one-on-one is that if they're not coming to you in good faith, you'll just be burning six hours a day talking to somebody who just loves wasting your time. And it's weird because I've had conversations like that where I thought yeah. these were good faith conversations only to like realize after the fact like oh no this was never meant like as a this was just meant as somebody rehearsing cast arguments that they'd heard just to try and kick up shit and apparently calm engagement at serious consideration didn't work so they went another route um yeah i mean it's it's i i don't see a good solution to like on the individual basis you know i mean frankly if it's the facebook it would be a case-by-case thing right if it's a facebook group you just say yeah the vegan facebook or the vegan recipe group is in the sidebar like go over or there like you can go make your own vegan only i mean the, group but, but this the thing is my is that, facebook group that yeah, i like you know i'm that, not gonna let one person tell me how to like you know ugh. as long as you know the world is not your safe space as long as they don't complain to facebook about you being a transphobic racist and manage to get <laughs> you kicked off facebook and your group banned yeah i mean it's, I, it's weird because that yeah. i but just the the idea of burning any more time than just like directing them towards like the place of the internet that already exists for what they're looking for i don't know like well, I think I, there's no easy mod- solution to this. This is a hard solution. Like you, the, you do have to, I think, tank the sacrifice of be willing to talk to people, and then like eventually you can be like, "Hey, I've like tried to work with you, and you just keep being belligerent at me, so I'm not going to have this conversation anymore. Come back when you want to do a productive discussion." Oh look, Jace just said that I can't have a productive discussion. I guess it's because I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there, there's no way that this can't be spun into a fight against you, right? So yeah, as, soon, but... as soon as they get bored of wasting your time, or you've shown them that they're not going to waste your time and that you're not going to waste your time with them anymore, they'll just come at it a different way. Literally, the only thing you can do in response, though, I think, is just do the right thing each time. And oh, I, I, I like that. That's what I try. You can also document the hell out of it. So if they try to get you fired or something you can be like I, this is completely unreasonable like look look how hard i tried to work with this person and it seems pretty obvious i don't know maybe i'm putting too much i'm just basic i'm basing this off of actually like i was talking about cbt but dbt dialectical behavioral therapy is a modit uh, a modit a modification slash edit i tried to say both words at once and it came out as modit hmm. um a modification of CBT specifically for uh, personality disorders and more specifically borderline. That's why I know about it. Um, I have a partner with borderline, family members, etc. Um, and that's specifically around targeting uh, thought distortions around emotions, which uh, personality disorders are triggered by specifically emotions. And then like borderline, you know, very specifically, it's feelings of abandonment. Uh, 
that comes from like a childhood PTSD thing and there's a genetic component, but it's the whole like teaching yourself and internalizing feelings aren't facts and then being able to sit there when you're like experiencing extreme distress and like go through the tools and be like, let me just sit here and see it feels like I'm going to die if I have to put up with this feeling. But look, I've, I've sat here and I've like thought about how upsetting this was for five minutes and I'm not dead. You build resilience that way, like uh, exposure therapy. You learn tools for like evaluating, is this a true thought or is this a feeling that's causing me to think, you know. It's interesting that you say feelings aren't facts because, I mean, in a way they are. We've had uh, the episode about emotions before where a lot of the feelings that people have internalized and rely on are because of things they have learned in the environment and their feelings can be useful they yeah, can be adaptive yeah. but they they, they the aren't trick facts. Is that, yeah well the trick the facts about how you feel at the very least and how you feel is yeah. often based on things that you know and you've experienced i guess the problem is that like any other thing in life like your eyes sometimes lie to you sometimes your ears lie to you like sometimes your feelings lie to you too and it's but you can, can be hard to figure out when that is and you have to you have to learn when that is and how to deal yeah. appropriately there's there's ways there's like yeah, there's, yeah. there's optical illusions that you can um, eventually understand and work around audio illusions of the same way. And also, I guess, feelings illusions, for lack of a better term, where it's like <laughs> you're having a panic attack, even though there shouldn't be any reason for a panic attack. And eventually, hopefully, I guess the point of the therapy is to try to understand why, where the disconnect is between what the feeling is and what the reality is and how to it's, deal um, with that. Both CBT and DBT are just, they, they it's some tools that... Uh, I'm going to do CBT because I have actually pulled up the list of cognitive distortions. So when you're having a lot of distress about a thing, you can pull out your list and go, is this all or nothing thinking? Is this overgeneralization? Is this a mental filter? Like uh, the opposite of an overgeneralization. Uh, this sounds like a list of what to do if you want to be a, a woke, outraged person. Discounting the positive, jumping to conclusions, magnification, Seriously, emotional reasoning, literally like should a statements. Playlist. That, that that's why this this was so apropos was well the thing is these are the these are the bad ways of thinking these are the cognitive distortions and you like yeah that, that's what i'm saying this sounds like a playlist of what happens when people yeah, get into those that's exactly it like uh if somebody is like cycle. okay well um i feel like i've been personally attacked by somebody posting thanksgiving like uh, that was but, that was the thought i was having earlier where it's there's a difference between um being able to recognize this person is not trying to attack me specifically, personally, by posting a picture of their Thanksgiving dinner. There was no harm intended here. Um, I think it's reasonable for that person to go on Facebook and say, like, hey, I'm vegan, and if, like, friends wouldn't mind, I think it'd be really cool if you could just put, like, trigger warning, there's pictures of meat if you're going to post, like, meat or put it behind a read more. But, like, you know, it's on me, obviously, to manage my own stuff, but I just think that, like, you know, it, I would appreciate it if people would do that. Hey, thanks. Versus all caps, I will unfriend you immediately and, like, I think dox the, you. I think the hard part is the social proof thing, because lots of times, if you aren't sure you're seeing something, you turn to someone and you're like, are you seeing that over there? Is it just me? Or, like, if you're getting a weird vibe off someone, you turn to someone else, you ask them. Like, if someone goes absolutely nuts and everyone else in society is like, you know, chill out, man. You're freaking out. And uh, authorities are like, um, we can work with you, but you're having an overreaction. Maybe, you know, try the CBT thing, whatever. But like, if literally everyone around you is like, yeah, 
Yeah, you are being unfairly maligned by these racists and transphobes, and we got to do something about this. And that is basically what Twitter does, because Twitter enjoys that kind of thing. It is the it's entertainment of politics. the Twitter. Yeah. yeah, that is, you know, the social proof is a lot of the problem. It's like you look and you're like, do you see a witch over there? Is our neighbor a witch crafting spells to curse us? And everyone is like, holy shit, yeah, she's a witch. Then all of a sudden you think there's a witch. Well, and if you don't say it's a witch, then they'll they'll think you're a witch too. I mean, and it, the, the other, the worst part of this is that there are people who are unfairly maligned for these sorts of things under like actual aggressions right mm. and uh, wait what do you mean i mean you know if um, i just didn't press there right? it th- there's a difference like there are there are actual witches okay yeah right uh the the thing is is when you have too many fake witches that you're burning <laughs> at the stake or just you know well, lambs use, like, for false rape accusations uh there was a whole thing for a while of i mean there it was it wasn't continues to be a huge problem that people don't believe rape victims but then uh, woke people promoted always believe the accuser or the victim i guess listen to victims they say victims but they mean accused uh i mean either way honestly like it's kind of interesting because you're sort of presupposing that i don't know accuser sounds like i mean they say always eh, believe anyway. the victim but if someone is fa- leveling a false rape, rape charge then the victim is the person who is having a false rape the, the, and like the thing is that like the statistics they, they base that on like statistics show that it's actually pr- pretty like unusual it's kind of rare for somebody to falsely accuse someone of rape it doesn't mean it literally never happens right and like that we shouldn't investigate though because that is just a recipe for disaster oh hey guess what like you know the feminists have made it so that now we can make false rape accusations whatever we want and people are obligated to believe it you know like this is this is one of those things where like it's coming from a great place and it's coming from a it's trying to right a historical wrong of like this has been fucked up for way too long too far well like it ends up with hashtag kill all men well or (laughs) it just takes you right back to to kill a mockingbird you know if you don't like your black co-worker because you're a, you're a white racist person, you say, oh, that person raped me, and they have to believe you, and that person mm-hmm. has to get fired. You're like, great, I, I purged my my white my my workspace, and now it's nice and white again. Like th- <laughs> th- that is the kind of of weapon you're handing out. These and are it's, nukes. And this is like mutually assured destruction at this point. <laughs> well, and it's, just, it's not not all that mutual. Yeah, well, I think that, the way Stephen just described it, it's like you know, if somebody is a bad actor, they can accuse somebody of being anti-semitic and transphobic and then like if nobody's gonna investigate or like that they raped me or said a you know so like this this is just madness <laughs> we obviously don't want this to continue to be a thing did i ever tell you about the pz myers thing oh i'm not sure which thing you're talking about so uh pz myers wrote the Ferengula blog which was a great atheist blog way back in the day he was, I was before obsessed it wasn't. with that blog <laughs> he was he was really fun to watch because he would punch theists a lot verbally and it was <laughs> great and i was there for the boxing but uh <laughs> wait to, to, get, to get an example of his of his flavor of new atheism i remember he posted a video of him uh torturing or at least smashing a, a stabbing a, a, a cracker a cracker uh, um, yeah. Yeah. communion wafer but that was in protest because some kid had not he, he like disrespected the wafer or something and they were trying to like were they trying to like arrest him or punish him in some way where I don't like because what... they, they were like you literally desecrated the body of christ which we believe is literally his body mm-hmm. and like he needs to be punished and pz myers was like in in protest hey look i'm doing it too punish me too this was way back in the days of 2006 give or take so. <laughs> anyway what was the oh the thing was uh he at one point uh he related this on his blog because it scared the fuck out of him uh a 
female student came into his office uh, during normal office hours and closed the door mm. and basically threatened him with a face uh, with a rape accusation if he didn't do uh, it was some kind of grade change something right and he said hold change. on right there it's something like that he said wow. hold on right there and he left and immediately and went straight to the principal and was <laughs> like this is happening she's in my office right now i don't know what to do please help and like that's terrifying yeah yeah it was absolutely terrifying but they jumped on it they handled it very well and the thing is like later on he became one of the like uh hard left new feminism atheists and i remember like three years later he uh was making a comment and he was in hashtag it was like believe um believe victims believe victims or something yeah and he says there is literally no such thing as a false rape accusation this has this is so unheard of that it's basically drinking the kool-aid and i'm like Dude, it literally happened to you. You blogged about it three years ago. How how do you not remember that? No People gods, no heroes, no the, idols. In the comments or something? I mean... I I don't know. I didn't. I but... bet he would have just deleted the post because couldn't live with the dissonance. Yeah, I, I didn't... I mean, you know, I don't want to get hung up on the false rape accusation thing. I mean, No, it, no. Because, well, again, it is a very rare thing. And it's, it's a... It's... But it's taking it way too fucking far if you make the new norm. It, they don't exist. Yeah. So, therefore, like... I mean, you, you it, have to have some kind of reasonableness in your like, yeah, like, okay, this is a problem. Like, rape happens a lot, and rape culture is the thing, and those are bad. And like, how are we going to solve them? Well, not by like cracking down so hard that you leave all these loopholes for people to just exploit. Like, uh. I remember during the Mueller investigation of uh, Trump's ties to Russia that, and like the the shenanigans with the election that I at least heard about, but it never went anywhere. Like. People had tried to pay women to say that Ro- that Mueller assaulted them, and oh yeah, that uh, I remember that. Like, that then again, this might literally be fake news. I don't know where where it came from, and I don't, so I, I can't stand by it. Substan- I can't like yeah, say right. it's substantial. I should say I, I remember hearing about that, not like that yeah. that it was true. Well, the thing is, I think that it it wasn't, so it quickly just went nowhere. But that's the kind of thing that uh, just would happen. Um, I mean, I know, could... you, like, hey. This political guy's giving me trouble. This 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 pesky investigator's gonna gonna turn up some dirt. Uh, here's a thousand dollars. We go on TV and, and say he assaulted you. Um, you know, so like, it's it's not that like I want to say we need to demand evidence and this you know, like again. Yeah. This is correcting a, a very important historical <laughs> wrong that needs correction. But uh, I guess I said I don't want to get hung up on it, and I am. So <laughs> um, you know, it, this it does kind of tie in. Well, very loosely, if I'm forcing it, it ties into the third great untruth that life is a battle between good people and evil people. Yeah. And this this is where, like, even the people I disagree with on this stuff, like, again, I know that most of them have their heart in the right place. You know, some people just get off on the fun, and that's not the right place. And I don't, I don't think you're living a good life that way. But that's was... the, like, thing that came up when I was thinking of PZ was, like, he got, he became radicalized. He, like, I was all on board when he came out as, like, Hey, I know that like, you know, we're the atheist movement, but like I also when they were making A plus, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, they mm-hmm. tried to do a thing where as sort of a response to people saying that like new atheists are evil and have no morals. It's like, what if we make atheism like a movement that is not just about we don't believe in God, but then also is like and also we believe in science and uh, that people ha- like and human rights and like that we will you know we like, believe in equal rights for all humans regardless of their color or sex or... It, it sounded awesome yeah. i was like oh man i, I want that like bumper sticker I will, I'll, I'll join that group it's like the, the group that doesn't believe in god but then also like does believe in things like mm-hmm. uh justice and equality and stuff but then like 
yeah, you radicalize it. And then it's just when you start this black and white thinking, which is, I think, actually one of the cognitive distortions from CBT or all or nothing thinking. Um, uh, yeah. I think a mm. lot of people, I mean, so the the inclination to have this fighting on the good side of history is not like something new. Like when people were purging the Jews or uh, or keeping the bloodlines pure by not allowing interracial marriage, they were fighting for, you know, the good side of history. They thought that they were keeping civilization from falling apart, keeping bad things from happening. And it's the exact same impulse that motivates these people uh, now. And I mean, I the reason I say that is because some of the things they do are so obviously racist that it's just like, <laughs> do you not see the Wait. parallels? Apparently you don't and it's just it's that same motivation of i am doing the correct thing um because all these people are evil and they must gotta be fight evil yes we must you fight gotta this evil all your weapon wasn't there right. a sequence about um something like that where arguments are sold yeah. yes um but it just seems like there's always this inclination in human nature to think in us versus them terms and to beat up on the them because it is the right thing yeah. to do and it is what will save the human race, which is us, because the them aren't really quite human. And uh, and it's just, I guess people need to find that outlet. And if it's couched under anti-racism or whatever the fuck terms, they'll still, they'll gravitate to something just to have the us versus them tribalism and and keep the cycle going. Third untruth again. Uh, life is a battle between good people and evil okay, people. Okay, yeah. This yeah, is, that totally ties in uh, with like the, you know, you you need to dehumanize your enemy, basically. Like if, if I guess that's like the, the idea that like, okay, say you're, say you're a trans guy uh, and it's like actually like kind of scary being out in trans. You know, there's a lot of like trans people commit suicide an incredibly high rate for harassment. They also get killed a lot. And, like if you have that, like, I fear for my life or I don't know, you're a black person. It, there, there's real bad stuff out there that like does exist but if you sit there and like just you know let yourself let your fear take over you end up with this like uh, all white people are evil and racist and we need to fight them and you lose all shades of gray when you have the black and white thinking and like honestly it you know stuff is complicated people are complicated uh the worst part in my opinion people isn't have... even the shades of gray it's the fact that all um all people are judged by outward characteristics that can lump them into groups rather than treating people as individuals. <laughs> the hashtag kill all men thing where like, <laughs> well, but yeah, like you should them, know but... that I don't actually mean all men, but like they, they, they would Martin Bailey that so much. I saw that discussion and it like, and... Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's just gotta be just like a loud badge that you get to wear that says I'm, I'm in this group. Right. And I'm, I'm with you guys, but I don't, the, what you mentioned about um, interpersonal marriage reminded me, cause I mean, th that's the thing about, you know, facts over feel or feelings over facts. And, you know, what matters is how it made me feel. And I felt offended. Like people have been using offense to silence people forever mm -hmm. and to shut things down. And like, I don't, and we, we keep realizing over and over that that's not the right way to do civil liberty or, or life. You know, people were offended watching black and white people hold hands. Right. Like I, I don't get, well, no, no, this time, this time my offense is this, this is the right time to, to use offense as a, as a weapon to stop somebody. But like, the people 50 years ago felt the same way about their this bullshit that none of us agree with anymore. Performative learned helpless an excuse for get, you know, attacking whoever you want like, in in the worst case. Uh, yeah, like the the whole, you know, what doesn't kill you will make you uh, mentality. Like, uh, I guess 
when I was talking about see that the thing of like in that way, I think there's not like a simple solution to this. This is actually sort of a species wide cognitive distortion that we're all susceptible to. The yeah. the whole arguments are soldiers, like greens versus blue. That's why it's it keeps core like rationality one oh one. Yeah. And we can't just go fix like go you know, we can't yet pull down the console for our brain, like be like, Well, I gotta fix this cognitive distortion, but like but there are ways to do it. Um the the thing is though that you can't force people to do CBT or DBT who are being controlled by these cognitive distortions. You can cash, you know you can calmly like have a, a conversation with them. I wish there was some way that we could all like coordinate so that every time this comes up, the the responses validate the person's emotions. Like, oh, I I understand that you're feeling really upset and that like you're scared for your life maybe like talk like you know the kid that said like i feel like i don't fit in at harvard uh or wherever i feel like sort of bad if it's not harvard i think yale. we've said both harvard and, and yale. yale we should call it princeton next time okay yeah. that's from new jersey i'll make fun of them <laughs> happily no actually princeton's cool so uh, the columbia student who had this thing <laughs> yeah this, this uh student of color uh they specified saying like i don't fit in and you need to do something about it and it wasn't even that you need to do something about it i think it was just it it was just just directing anger at them and i i don't even think that the initial letter contained that much anger in it it was just like an expression of how they're feeling it seemed super maybe this is a bad example for what i'm trying to describe then but but i think it's a good example of like the kind of way that this just went weird because it seemed like hey you know i'm feeling this way and i I don't even know who the dean was of the college I went to. Do do university do like state universities have deans? Probably. Yeah. But like, I would never think to like to write my dean. I might write <laughs> an instructor or my you know or the, the campus therapist or something. Well, there's the entitlement. And, I mean, that could be part of that. But the fact that, that they were like, you know what, I'm gonna escalate this to the dean because I'm feeling this way, and then the dean's like, you know what, I'm gonna take time and and let's let's engage with you and talk about it. It seemed like it could have gone so right, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I. You know, I think the fact that it didn't go right that one time doesn't mean that we got to stop trying. No, but but, like, but part of what you're saying about like how hard no, it is, there's no other way to do it. No, there there is there's one way to I think help, and I don't know. I'm curious on your guys' feedback on this because like you know we we you can't solve racism, mm-hmm. right? But you, what you can do is you can institutionalize ways that make it really hard to be racist, or at least to 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 give power to racists. So you, like for example, you make it illegal to legis you, you legislate that it's now unlawful to um not let someone rent from you because they're black right mm. so it's you, you can you can legislate good behavior in like the highly visible ways you can't legislate that somebody not shoot a dirty look at black people if they're racist right you can't but make you, this person not feel like they fit or, yeah like um you can't like hypnotize them or something and then <laughs> be like wow but now i feel like i fit in great or make everybody else change their behavior to accommodate this like there's things you can do Sure, I definitely think that we should do the things that we can do. Um, but you can't make a bunch of laws about like you know, uh, basically like trying to prevent microaggressions from happening because the the problem is that well one of the problems people get outraged about something that they interpret as a personal attack where most of the time if they had actually like you know had a CBT workbook there and like they could sort of go like breathe for a bit do their like distress tolerance skills and then be like. Okay, is it more likely that this person who I don't know yelled that thing in the hallway because they wanted to traumatize me or that like they're just an asshole or maybe like I misunderstood maybe they made a racist joke but like it was sort of one of those in joke things where like gay people make fun of themselves or whatever like uh, like man you're so gay dude the <laughs> and like a person gay I know who uses the word gay pejoratively is gay <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's I, I mentioned that to him and he's like yeah I, I own that. I'm like, all right, you do you, bro. <laughs> you, speaking of microaggressions, you had some good things to say about them? 
Well, uh. whole, I wouldn't phrase it that way. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to defend microaggressions as a legitimate concern. Okay. I wouldn't say I have good things to say about microaggressions themselves. Yes. Okay, I guess I phrased that poorly. <laughs> they are real and they can be really upsetting for yeah. people to have to tolerate. That, 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 I know that, this from experience. Exactly. And so that, but you, know, you can't legislate it away Well, because they're micro. It's just like, you know. So, well, I mean, to, to clear up what I meant by legislating is like, you, 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 could, pass a, you could pass at least... And and if it's not a law, you can pass a a, a a university initiative that like we will never fire a an employee based on a mob from the internet, <laughs> um, like not in, like so th- this isn't something that you you push through the state legislature. You just say as a as an organization we will never do this. I don't. And we might open an investigation. Okay. We will look into stuff, but we will never just like oh shit the kids are mad at us and fire somebody. Uh, like that's something, and that's just one idea. But yeah. uh, I mean, idea. what I'm thinking about though is a, mic- a microaggression that I experience a lot is um, just being misgendered by like cashiers uh, where like I hand them my ID, I'm buying alcohol. It's, it says mail, I'm presenting mail. And then they'll be like, oh, sweetie, like that's going to be this much. Like have a great day. And like, you know. Do you think they uh, check your license for the sex on it? No, they don't. <laughs> they, they look at the, I don't know. People can't do math, which I think is really funny. Like they'll, they'll sorry, it's digression. Uh, they, That's why they, they always have the date up in the stores. Well, no, they, they they'll like grab the yeah that or like I've seen people like grab the ID, look at it, have a brain fart, and then like scan it. So like because they have some kind of computer thing that says of age or not of age. Because like oh god, I can't do math. I've been there. What I've, I I've been get, a cashier. I mean, what it, as long as we're on that note, and I don't mind <laughs> belaboring this for a minute. If you're over twenty one, your ID is horizontal. And like some, I, I in see, Colorado, in Colorado, is that not a nationwide thing? I think that's generally the the just how all IDs are. But in Colorado, if you're under twenty one, it's vertical. vertical. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was super not a thing in Jersey. Oh. Uh, it might be now, but like it wasn't even a thing in Colorado back when I was under twenty one. Well, in any case, the the person at the bar I go to isn't much older than me. You know, so they they if they see a horizontal ID, they know what that means. <laughs> the other thing is that. You glance at the date, and if there's a nine in it, you're like, "Oh, here you go." <laughs> like you, you don't have. We're nine not, is we're, eighty-six. Right, but we're not. We're not past uh, a nineteen. Huh? Well, yeah, if there's a nineteen in oh, it. Oh, I see. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Unless my bad. Twenty nineteen. Well, then, then that person <laughs> is, you know, if, they, if they've got an idea, if they've got a state-issued idea at two, you know, I, like I think they burned their a, booze. A drink, but, yeah, like, uh, congratulations, man. <laughs> I was wondering where the number crunch is co- coming in, because it's like, look, I think I think on the 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 sane end of the, the, the license checking thing is that if the person sells the alcohol and if it's a fake, if it's a, con- if it's a convincing fake, if it's your older sibling who looks just like you and you stole their ID, that person still is liable for, well, A, they'll lose their job because the store is still going to get fined like $5,000. So I can see why they sit, spend so much time analyzing it. But well, I do just notice that that's weird every time you know <laughs> I go out. What were you going to say about microaggressions though? Jace put it more succinctly uh, than I ever could. It was a tangent. Uh, we were talking about, I had said, like, you can't legislate away basically somebody calling me sweetie. And even that is just like... But you were going to say, like, micro something about microaggressions are generally, oh, look at these things. But you were like, but they're actually kind of valid. Oh, well, Jace, I think, put it that way. was that, uh, like, there are people who, who endure these annoying things that one once in a blue moon would be an annoyance. But a couple times a day is like a, like an, an actual annoying strain. You know, a, a not uncommon one is people wanting to touch black people's hair. And, like, if you're like most people and don't want strangers fucking touching you, like, that almost, you know, I, I hate to fall into the group of people who overuse the word aggression, but that's almost aggression. <laughs> like, granted, I'm not I'm not trying to hurt you, but it's like, you're, you're touching me. Yeah, you know, or, it becomes a microaggression when it's like, like, the, you, you almost can't even, 
say that people are acting in bad faith, like per se, like I still look real femme despite having been on testosterone almost a year. Um, and it's like not somebody's fault if they they're not trying to offend me. Uh, you know, the the person I don't know, some old lady like, oh wow, I can't believe how like amazing your corners are, and like touching some girl's hairs because that was like you know, maybe this is like an 80-something-year-old woman and the social norms were different in her time and she's trying to compliment this person or like, you know, but like that comes off as just incredibly like humanizing and infantilizing. Like, uh, I think the thing I dislike about microaggressions is just the word because it implies, first of all, <laughs> a level of aggression where lots of times there's no actual The person aggression. feels aggrieved, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah but, I see what you're saying that like also, what I'm saying too is word. a lot of the time it's not somebody actually trying to piss you off. It's yeah, an accident. Yeah. And on top of that, it has the word micro in it, which makes it sound like this is such a small thing. You literally need a microscope to see it. So why are you getting so upset? Because there's a thousand. I know. It, it I is know, kind of a stupid but word. It's, it's a stupid word. Oh, I, I, I like the term just disrespect. Like, death by a thousand when point, cuts. When you point out to someone, look, you're kind of being disrespectful. Like everyone can get that. Why are you mm. calling it a fucking stupid microaggression? I I don't know if I love the word either, but I can at least differentiate why. Or I, I would explain why disrespect wouldn't work in at least some cases. Like if you're... Um, if you have an unusually pronounced name, mm -hmm. especially like if it's a cultural name, and uh, it's it's, I, I have you, no idea what it's like to have an unusually pronounced name. I, I, I was I was I was I I was trying to think of a way to bring the bring the point home to you, but yeah. you know, so like I don't know if you know ran into a lot of anti-Polish people in your upbringing. Probably not, because I don't know if people can I mean, spot Polish people from across the street. But not really. Every now and then you hear like dumb Polak joke. It used to be more of a thing, like that white, like lower class white people were treated poorly but then we got people of color and then they're like oh that's a much easier target to identify and harass like yeah but what were you saying about the name thing i, I was going the name mispronunciation thing because it ties well into my 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 bi-monthly recommendation for everyone watching key and peel <laughs> there's a couple of segments where uh, uh keegan michael keys the substitute teacher and he's mispronouncing everyone's names oh, i remember that and you know balake instead of blake yeah it's yeah, so, like yeah. nobody's raising their hands and because he's because they're saying the name wrong but and then so, he starts freaking out. Yeah. So like that's the that's the inversion of, of the thing of like if you do have an, an unusual name and a professor mis mis mispronounces it on day one and you say actually no sorry it's Balake not Blake and you're like oh you got it dude sorry my bad but like that that so that that is but then every single person you talk to that day also so so that that's where like it, it gets to be okay you know, so I don't know if I'm unusual but I've never in my life been upset about that even people who like meet me several times over the course of a week will mispronounce my name because it's a tough fucking name I'm not upset about people gendering me if they do it by accident but I've there are some trans people who get very upset about it and I sort of I think it's this misattribution of intent to someone right um, well and, and Charlie's points uh, I think. The important part, and that's probably where this term came from. You know, oh no, actually it didn't. I think it did come from like the little things, I like think that they asking where to someone's coin a from. Word for this phenomenon, and but, what they're trying to describe with microaggressions is just the experience of constantly having this thing that upsets you. Yeah, I think it's the triggered. impact. You know, whether or not it's intentional, I think. You know, like the the person at the diner calling you, you know, from Texas, they do to everybody. But like, I've even heard that people wearing still... the wrong clothes is a microaggression. Like they're just <laughs> they happen to be in the same room as you, and they're wearing clothes that you think are you know those are my people's clothes. You're not oh, allowed to I wear see. those. That's Cultural a microaggression. That I'm not offended by accident. I would be kept doing it intentionally, but like people can't tell the difference. And then like it sort of doesn't matter um, if like you're Asian American and you just like keep getting your name mispronounced and like people being like oh well you must be good at math because you're you know japanese or something and then like but like it's it, i think it's just the, the experience of being in that environment 
they're talking about trying to describe the thing of death by a thousand cuts where it's like you can't tell whether somebody's trying to fuck with you or not um it doesn't matter you still feel fucked with at the end of the day uh well, hang on like, can, can we mic yeah. we could other mic you if you want to be on or uh i think microaggressions are is an apt term because sometimes people are purposefully being subtle with their aggressions towards you um it's a form of bullying and i think that as someone who's experiencing it it's usually a pattern that is um causes anxiety and sometimes legitimate concern because in the past, these small, almost easy to almost easy to misinterpret things have led to accelerations. I don't know. How about a good way aggress to... aggressiveness? The actual <laughs> aggressiveness, yeah. Aggression. Um, but I think I look at microaggressions as a form of bullying. It's unfortunate we can't like engage back and forth because Charlie's got her arms full and and it was leaning forward for Mike. Um, I'm not sure how much of our previous conversation will be salvageable, but. Uh, yeah, I think that that's valuable in, um, like in context of, of certain kinds of things. Right. Mm -hmm. But like I said, if a professor mispronounces your name on the first day of class or misgenders you, cause they're, you know, whatever the, the administration system didn't put it in right or whatever, you know, something I'm like gonna that. Look like, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. So, 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 but like, as long as it's, so like, I, I guess I'm, I'm just saying that this is where like in there, you know, one of the other tenants of this, this this bad pattern of thinking is that like intent doesn't matter it's all about impact mm -hmm. and it's you know microaggression is a, a unique case where it, it's sort of both um you know because if if i didn't mean anything by it because i mispronounced your name and i never do it again because i now know better um it's it's hard to i i mean i'm i'm using me as an example so like it's hard to blame me but <laughs> i would say that wouldn't i but um it's hard it's hard to blame somebody if they make a very very reasonable mistake and correct for it right um, you know, but, but I think Charlie's talking about a different kind of class of, of, of activity where, you where know, it's actually racism. You're just trying to get away with. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so consistently doing it, you know, needling, yeah. being annoying. I just, like, I want to make the point that it does like, I, I mean, like, I, I think that this is a phenomenon to describe the experience of having lots of micro, like lots of small interaction people throughout your, that remind you that you are not like the majority that you are going to be misunderstood that people don't like you know that that even that you're in danger or... i mean so i hate to say it but a lot of that is just the fact of being weird and an outsider like i yep. mean i don't i'm assuming we've all had that experience but i know when i first came to america i had a really strong accent everybody knew i was polish i kind of got picked on it up until god i don't think my accent really cleared away to where it wasn't noticeable until middle school but i mean that's just what it's are are they experience. not going to notice yeah. that I have an accent? Like, come on. I mean, it's it's just something that you, you deal with because you are different. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't want to go as far as saying, like, suck it up, you baby, because uh, people do have those different levels of sensitivity. And there are really toxic environments. Where I grew up uh, in the township of Upper, Upper Township, there was also a middle and lower town. And that's where all the, you know, upper middle class white people lived and my family poor and we had to like perform to be upper middle class because like fit in. So like, I don't know, but like I got made fun of for having like clothes that didn't fit from the thrift store. And that's actual Stuff bullying, like that. right? Um, it can be, or it can actually just be like, maybe it's never, you know, like they're like, why the hell don't you know clothes fit? You're bad at buying clothes. And, but like. I guess if you're young enough, you might not know yet that that's rude, but what you're describing it just like sounds like bullying to me um yeah it, it 
it is that the it's, again it's both there's the component of people actively trying to make you feel like an outsider and there's the people just being ignorant about stuff like uh, a lot of times i would get asked you know hey where where are you from uh yeah. and people couldn't pronounce my name sometimes for a dozen times after they met me and that's just like that's the thing that happens with having a weird name that's the thing that happens with having an accent i never was i upset about it i'm like yeah you know i, I come from poland and we came here when i was yay old and uh yeah don't worry about the name it's really hard it's well, and you, mean, you yeah, even go by but... Inyash and not Inyash. Inyash would be the techni- uh, technically fu- correct. I, I, to... I fucked it up even after having... Oh, well, I haven't heard it pronounced in a couple of years. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, be- well, because, you know, that's what was easier for kindergarten kids to say. Right, but, you, to... but you've, you've even come... Like, you, even after updating your name, you still get it mispronounced, but it's like, you know, people aren't being malicious about it, right? Wait, what now? You, you, you've... You've you've moved it from the Polish pronunciation to like a more Americanized oh, oh, oh. P- pronunciation. Yes, yes. But people still struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just remarking on that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have much to contribute there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Maybe let's. I don't know. Yeah. Start to wrap up or uh, microaggressions move are confusing. on to a different but, yeah. subject. I feel like we're not solving the problem of microaggressions. I think by moving on, you you guys are <laughs> microaggressing against me. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Would you have anything more you'd like to add? No, I don't. Now I feel microaggressed. I, don't... <laughs> I feel like you're fucking with me. I, I, I was just trolling you, actually. I think that's a macroaggression. <laughs> well, I'm prepared for a. Uh, mega aggression after the, oh, after the show stops uh, <laughs> an aggression right to the face that's right well i think that i mean aggression we, won't stand man <laughs> you, know. you know that reminds me thank you because i was going to end on a sort of dudist note so um you know the, the last one about good people and evil people like i i the last thing i want to say on this is like even the people i disagree with on this you know everybody's got common ground you know i guess I don't know. I mean, this is like the most dude thing that doesn't, you know, you, you, this this won't like change anyone's mind until you experience it. But like, this is true of everybody who used to be a racist and isn't, or everybody who used to not like this group of people and now is fine with them, or even somebody who used to hate a coworker and doesn't anymore. Like, you 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 find something, you find some common humanity, and you're like, oh, this person doesn't totally suck. And it's you know, so until you've had that experience, you maybe can't generalize it. But once you do, like, you can be like, oh yeah, I probably feel that way about basically every human, and I can just not de facto hate anybody so i I advise that people do that i think the thing that i was trying to say earlier and then also with the microaggressions is sort of that there's a complicated answer to what do we do about this which is like in some cases it is on sort of it's the onus of the person who feels offended and uh whatever like to maybe you know evaluate is this a reasonable response to this thing Or, or is this a feeling or a fact uh is this something that I should just let go and learn to tolerate? Um, or is this something that like, you know, and so- sometimes it is that. And then sometimes it is actually like, you know, this maybe the student, uh, whatever Ivy league school who was like the one racial minority there was having an awful time. And this, this was really stressful for them. And the, if, if, you know, the, <laughs> they had listened to the Dean, like they, maybe they could have actually sat down about it and, the dean could have been like, what is making you feel ostracized in this way? And they could, you know, come up with, well, here, here's what we can't do. Here are some, like, interventions that we can try to implement. And, like, let's work let's work together on this. Yeah, so, like, we're not going to solve this problem overnight. Uh, and it's and it's really complicated. And that's, like, the whole, yeah, the, the, the life is a, you know, battle between good and evil. There's no such thing as good or evil. That, that's Those are subjective, like words that we use to describe someone's behavior that nobody can really come to agree with and like nobody is in their head being ha, i am evil and i will say a racist thing to make people feel bad 
in the name of evil. I see you have the alt-right pipeline in the notes. Do you want to touch on that at all? <laughs> that was part of like the catastrophization and there was another word for it um, in the CBT checklist. Um, can you describe the thing and then maybe I can find the word? The idea that, oh, if you're exposed to this dangerous idea that uh, you're vulnerable and you'll, you'll slip right down into the path of madness. You know, you watch one flat earth video on YouTube and suddenly... You know, I don't know if that's a see- CBT thing per se, but it sounds like slippery slope. But perceiving slope. everything as that yeah. kind of threat is. Yeah, actually. Pull up the list and figure out what cognitive distortion. That- it's really weird, too, because no one ever says, you know, it's a leaving the alt-right pipeline. Because any video, you know, along those lines could be one leading out as well if you're started in. The- I remember having a conversation with somebody who I had previously respected before I, like, realized that this was their true and honest opinion. And I couldn't quite put my head around it. But, like... Mm-hmm. The idea that being exposed to any of this content, you know, so many people are so vulnerable that they'll 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 just they'll fall right into this. And you're right; they never fall they never fall the other way, which is weird. Because it's but, the dark side of the force, and if you even look at it, it takes over your brain. Yeah, but like the, humans the, don't actually have their own brains; they're just controlled by the evil people that have the evil thoughts. Th- this was part of like a discussion of whether or not to like talk about. Uh, um, oh, uh, this is this is part of a discussion about like whether like to moderate discussion of Sam Harris on a blo- on a on a server that wasn't about Sam Harris, but it was in discussion of his app. Um, and it just happens moderate? to be... Huh? What do you mean, moderate? Uh, whether or not, because he's a problematic person, so is, is it all right to talk about his meditation app, which happens to be the I best see. on the market? And, okay. And, you know, it was just a weird situation where somebody was like, well, yeah, I mean, we, sh- we should be careful because, you know... They, they might Google him and then find his stuff. And I'm like, that, that's the, just the weirdest, most... Okay, again, there's two we, things we, we there. Did, we, didn't, we didn't talk about like, the level of, of uh, paternalistic and like, desperate need of, of authority figures. That was one thing that I really wanted to hammer home and I didn't get around to. Maybe I brought it up last episode. But like, always having to, like, you know, the, the people you know, demanding that professors get fired. They demand the school do something. I demand my employer oh, yeah. do this. I demand the, the server moderators do that. Like... They they always want to run to run to the teacher and say they 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 call me a name. It's a childish behavior, and that's a a lot of you know what's behind personality disorders or uh, mental disorders, where like it does put you in this childlike state of mind and cause your behaviors to become more simplified. That black and white thinking, etc. There were two things that like you just said. That's um discounting the positive is a distortion because oh because Sam Harris said some problematic things. We need to ban him forever from everything. And he's and never, then, because he said some problematic things, he's never said anything good. Catastrophization of, well, if this happens, then obviously that's going to happen. That's going to lead to nuclear war. So, And if you hear his voice, you will turn evil too. <laughs> yeah. You got to like, d- you know, check yourself with, you know, if, if you're doing CBT, uh, listen to what you're saying and then like check, uh, see, is this one of these distortions? And then like, is it possible that I'm wrong? And... You, you can run through the checklist sometimes and be like, no, I think I was right to be upset about that. But like a lot of the time, it's like just you're psyching yourself out and you, you teach yourself to not do that by running through this list, writing down uh, what like, you know, the, I love the catastrophization is my main problem. I still struggle with it a lot and I've gotten a lot better. But when I first started being on this podcast, I had to like... Man, I like I was I was freaking the fuck out all the time where I was like, Does Steven and Eniash really like me? Do they really want me on the podcast? They probably just do it because they invited me that one time, then it would be awkward if I kept going back and they're like, Oh, you can't really be on it. So like, do they even like me as a person? Like, oh, they probably think I'm so dumb. I just say dumb things all the time. I bet they're just like trying to be nice by not pointing out how stupid I and it's just like, wait, okay, hang on. I have to like grab a notebook, and be like, 
how likely is it that Steven and Idiash think I'm an idiot? Have they ever said that or like done anything to suggest that? We okay, actually really, no really like you. Like, <laughs> and it's like, how likely is it that like, you know, that they don't really want me on the podcast, but it'd be awkward to kick me off. And I'm like, no evidence <laughs> of that being the case, but like, you still have to sit there and then like write out the catastrophization and look at it and laugh and go, nice, nice job, brain. Like, that's, when, that's an awesome. Before you articulate it, you just have all the emotions. So you just like, you're stuck in emotion land. You're like, I feel so anxious about going on this podcast that I can't do it because I, you know, because why? Because of nothing, because of shit that I'm making up because I have these cognitive distortions. I think the running to authority <laughs> figures is specifically because they can't actually ban people on their own. They have to, you know, well, get want, someone else to do it for them. They want validation, first of all, of their emotions, and they want somebody else to go, go solve the problem for them. Like, they don't I mean, want to have to tolerate distress. They get validation from their peers, from the rest of the Twitter mob saying, yeah, you're right, these people are awful, everything's the worst. There's different... And then it's the... the exercising of power to make someone powerful do something for you that everybody knows is fucking stupid but uh, they're gonna that. do it because they're they're worried about whatever the PR. mob could do yeah <laughs> pr whatever it is and that's you know that's a huge power boost i think that's what it is it's the ability to bully the people who you see as power figures that's the bad faith ones anyway but there's also people who I think, think of themselves as this helpless nobody who is going to be crushed by this big, evil, dangerous force and they need to gra grab all their soldiers. You know, that you need to use everything in their power to fight evil because you don't give in to evil. You really think that the people who are running to the Dean or the server mod or whoever yeah. are like, I'm so weak and helpless. No, I think I think some of them are. I mean, like, I know people like this. There's. I mean, in that case, they're absolutely fucking delusional. They are. No, oh, that, that, no that okay. is, that, that's what CBT is for. It's These are cognitive distortions. These are actually delusions that you have that don't match reality. So what I'm hearing is all these people need some serious psychotherapy. Indeed. Or sometimes they're right, though, too. Like, uh, again, like I, the student at wherever could have been having a really terrible time um maybe there was just tons of people saying racist stuff around them all the time uh maybe like all of their i don't know say it's harvard again because who cares like all their you know posters have white people in them uh if you go on their website to buy some harvard merch like all all the models are white and like you know, like just this sort of like erasure maybe like yeah like nobody has ever pronounced their name correctly or, or bothers to care and like laughs about it and, like, it's just, it's a really toxic environment to be in. And, like, I think it was really cool of the dean to kind of be like, hey, like, you know, maybe you're exaggerating. Maybe you're not. Let's talk about it. But then, then the part that made it seem like bad faith was that they, they yeah. took the, the invitation back from, you know, the top person at the school. Yeah, I don't want to, like... Yeah, I don't. I don't know this Keep person. And I analyzing whether or not yeah. like who was in the wrong there. I'm trying to just say that like sometimes like I think people have legit reasons for trying to cancel people. Uh, I'm sure you could find some some old money racists at Princeton or Harvard or whatever Ivy League school it is we're we're dumping on right now. But there's no way that there aren't also people who are very liberal and uh, and on that person's side and acting as a support network. I, it's not like we're in the 50s and this is Jackie Robinson trying to play. Racism, and... sexism, like ableism, all these things do exist and hurt people. And they're like, we shouldn't just say, suck it up. That's yeah. too bad for you, <laughs> you know. But like, also, we shouldn't sack the dean right. <laughs> without like, try, you know, trying to maybe do some like intermediary measures first like yeah like i mean i don't know maybe secretly the dean released a public message of support but you know behind the scenes was like yeah this student is the worst everybody should gang up on them and harvard never said that publicly because they don't want to look bad but 
Wait, what? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm saying yes, maybe the dean deserved to get fired. I, we can't know for sure. Oh. We don't know many of the details. Just what we've heard in this reporting, and the, that could be... This is such a bad example. We should stop referring to it. Because, okay. like, uh, okay, like, I don't know. Can well, I come up with, like, some fictional thing? Or Steven, it sounds like you want to say something? I think just, like, we can summarize it at the at the highest level, which is, like, often grievances can be valid and real yeah. and, and actually felt. But there can be a tempered response that doesn't involve just immediately firing the person that they're that they're worried about, or even like immediately trying to ruin their life, right? You you, right. you yeah. can you can move from hey, you know this this person, or you know this person teaches a class uh, about. Um, uh, there was a one person in the article. Uh, they went and like did a sit-in in their class because they it was like a. Uh, Wait, a lang- sit-in, as in just like sat there to investigate whether or not this person was doing this. No, or, no like, it, was a, it was a bunch of students doing okay. a sit-in, and then they read from like their list of grievances, and they didn't name <laughs> the professor, but they were talking about him. And it was like uh, I don't think it was English because it was a college course, but it was you know some some there literature college class. level English, and and it was correcting people's <laughs> spellings and stuff, and that was that was a microaggression that was racist. What? Because uh, okay. they had said actually no, it's a lowercase i on indigenous, for example. And they're like, well, not to me and my truth. And so like, so the, the appropriate <laughs> yeah. response there is to like, talk it out, not to fire the teacher. The teacher didn't get fired in this case, but whatever. I had one last thing to say about the alt-right pipeline before I forget, which was that. Can I say one last thing about this before we go to that? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, just based on how liberal most universities are and how liberal all their teaching staff is and um, what I've seen of the, the, the way students react, my priors are to be that this probably was not a big deal. And maybe it was. I mean, I admit that there's definitely racism and sexism. Yeah, right. There's definitely racism and sexism out there, and we do need to fight against them still, but... You no, know. I'm, I'm saying what you're saying sounds like believe victims. Like you're saying because this is most often nonsense, it's probably... We should just treat it like it's all nonsense? No. <laughs> I, I'm saying that my priors are along the lines of this is probably nonsense. Yeah, but you're not advocating just dismiss all like complaining about racism. Because... No, n- not any more than I'm complaining okay. to fire anyone who's had a complaint against them because they're, you know, actually looking into things would be a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, but that's unfortunately like if things are divided into black and white, good people and evil people, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to find nuance, right. which is just like a problem that needs to be, be needs to be addressed. The, the last thing with the alt-right pipeline was that it kind of I just was like, all right, so are we putting together a banned books list? Like, actually, it, we are. It might actually I mean, be not sh- we, but people it, are. Well, then I said it might actually just be shorter to have an approved books list because, <laughs> because quite frankly, like you know, can, can, can I rec- can I recommend Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, he's been on Joe Rogan's show like four times. Mm, so you know, if I if I if I YouTube Neil deGrasse Tyson and I want to watch him, you know, chat, just shoot the shit with some moron for three hours and talk about aliens or whatever, like. Well, shit! I'm going to be watching the Joe Rogan Experience, and like, wasn't the, he also on huh? Sam Harris's podcast once? Twice at least. Twice. Oh yeah. my God, he's basically a white supremacist. Well, but I mean, that's the, that's the thing is that that just like, and I, I think the person I was talking to was like, well, I mean, you know, there's got to be edge cases, and like, yeah, but how can you possibly find them? Like, if, if your concern is literally just like the YouTube algorithm being so much stronger than the average human mind, that that, that was their case that they would that they would watch videos and I mean, they recommend they recommended, reasons. but it's like. You know, it's basically the Red Scare again. It, if if anyone learns about communism, they will be brainwashed. Right, and so I, I just I didn't understand it, and I I found the whole thing like extremely patronizing to the average person. Yeah, can we all agree that censorship is never? Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> there. I, anyone else have anything else to say? Because I've got a great segue. Oh, I want to hear your great segue. All right. Well, you know, we're talking about dividing everyone between good people and evil people. And while <laughs> I don't like saying that they're people, they're definitely good people. Like this episode's patron, Christian <laughs> Christian Gruber. Thank you, Christian. 
you now have special dispensation from the rationalist pope Stephen Zuber to sin one time because uh, you're on the good side. You're, you're, you, I, I I don't think it comes with anything like that. I think it, you, you, you just get to you know that you're an awesome person. Maybe maybe you can be irrational one time and it'll be okay. That no, sounds fair. I think okay. that's a. No one is allowed. No one's ever allowed to be oh, irrational. Damn. Okay. <laughs> what, we what run a tight ship here, I guess. <laughs> damn. All right. Uh, I'm joking. In case that wasn't obvious, like people are irrational all the goddamn time, yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. I, anyway, you anyway, rock and right. are unequivocally a good person. Yes. And capital G, capital P. That's right. Cool. Well, I think it, did I mention we're recording this on a Friday night? So, well, it was an <laughs> afternoon. So now it's Friday night, and I'm, I'm ready to get home. So. I'm. Yeah, we gotta go. High five, everybody. We'll see you in a couple weeks. And we'll talk about something like more fun and less old man yells like clouds, which is an emoji that I am just so glad exists. And I added <laughs> to my, my company Slack whenever I'm feeling curmudgeon-y. And, uh, I, I, you know, these, these, it's nice to cathart these once in a while. But it's also nice to have fun. So we'll do that next time. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.